Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. I am Alex Jones and today joining me is the one and only Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hello, that might be the first time I've ever done finger guns at the camera and I'm kind of regretting it. I should have done the sound effects, you're right, that's what I was missing. I like finger guns and I like it when people do the thing and they say, who's got two thumbs and doesn't give a fuck? This guy. Uh, Who's got two thumbs but one of them's up his ass? This guy. Uh. For anyone that doesn't have the audio or the video version of this podcast, I point at myself with one thumb, the implication being the other is up my ass as we're recording. But it's not. Lovely. Here it is. Jamie, Proof. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Who have got four thumbs and are about to talk about holiday games? Oh, is it um, Alex Jones and Jamie McCulloch, the two most premium premier video game discussers on planet Earth? Um, it would be, but you didn't get your thumbs out. So, oh, so shit, I forgot the thumbs. Just two, pe- two people, two thumbs. We'll share. We can, we can share thumbs. There you go. Um, this is quite a, a sort of a one-off for us because we've already sat here and talked for two hours out there in um, podcast land. Jamie and I just sat through uh, Summer Game Fest, the opening night that Jeff Keeley himself was hosting in some lovely shoes and a shiny jacket because um, we're recording this on the 9th, on the Thursday. And so we have sat through two hours of reveals of um, some uh, things that we already knew were coming out, but we got to see some more of them, Um, some announcements, some leaks. There was a couple of leaks that dropped just before the show that were then confirmed, but also some leaks that were not confirmed, um, which we'll get into as well. We're not only going to talk about Summer Game Fest, we're also, um, hopefully, if we get onto it, if we don't talk about that for too long, going to talk about the reaction to the Sonic Frontiers uh, game demo that we sort of got to see the other day, Um, some Diablo Immortal news, um, News about E3 and its return properly in 2023 when people will be able to go there. Won't you be a digital event? Uh, some Hideo Kojima news. Everyone is always psyched for that. Um, and also, possibly, we might go on to something about God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> it's ambitious. I'll admit it, Joe. It's ambitious. I, I was, think- was going to keep going and I thought, this is punchy. <laughs> I reckon, tell me how you feel about this. We'll see how much our, our eyes are closing on their own by the time we hit the two-hour mark. And if it's like... More than sixty percent shut, involuntary. Like then, maybe we call it a day. Or a we night. hard cut. Yeah. So if we don't make it to those news stories, I do apologise. We will placate you some other way. And one other way you could see some more about those news stories is to join our Patreon because we do have a Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash super show where you can go there and you can see more content. You can speak to us in the Discord and you can say to us, what did you leave out of the podcast when you got to two hours? And we could let you know in person. Yeah. And it's only $2 on the Discord. So why wouldn't you do it? Um, we're obviously right now on the platform that you're listening slash watching us on, be YouTube or podcasting platforms. But if you are on the other one, then you could go and listen to us slash watch us on the other one because we're on YouTube in video and podcasting platforms. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all of the big podcasting platforms. Um, we're also on Paisley Radio at paisleyradio.com. We go live there Thursdays at 10pm, repeated on Mondays at 10pm. Um, so really you have no excuse for not spending a couple of hours with Jamie and I in the week. Why not go to bed, put your headphones in, put one of those mediums on, and just listen to the Super Show podcast? You can listen to our soothing sounds. That honestly sounds so relaxing that I wish I could do it right now, but I have an obligation to be here and contribute to the recording of those soothing sounds, so I'm going to have to pass for now. Indeed you will, Jamie. So before we um, get on to the gaming news, how about I give you a cheeky little comment of the world? Oh, please do. This one comes in from uh, One Tit Wonder, um, who is singing your praises, Jamie, because mm. um, on the back of the PlayStation showcase that we watched last Thursday, 
um, Wanted Wonder said, wow, Jamie predicted both Final Fantasy 16 and Resident Evil 4 remake. Maybe you really do have insiders behind you. Mm. What say you, sir? How are you in the know? I have to answer this very delicately, don't I? I don't want to give away my uh, sources. No, but like that was actually, there was a reason I liked this comment when I saw it from Wanted Wonder, and it's because it kind of taps into, on the one hand, one of my favourite things... Well, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Keep yeah, keep scratching my back. See what happens. But no, it, it it taps into what I kind of love about this time of year, and also one of the things that I don't actively hate, but I maybe acknowledge sometimes retrospectively that it doesn't do me a whole world of good. Which is that there's so much excitement and there's so much hype around this time of year. Key three, I think we're calling it now, right? In, mm. As Jeff Keighley has taken on um, all the responsibility in his stride. And obviously the state of play that uh, Wanted Wonders referring to was technically a part of the Summer Game Fest, all comes under the Keighley banner. It is this kind of time of excitement, but what you're left with when you kind of look at it a little bit too analytically is a whole bunch of games, some of them known quantities, some of them less so, some of them rumours, some of them confirmed rumours, and not a lot of things that they can all squeeze and kind of funnel into. And so when you're a real fucking weirdo and a nerd like me who in spite of how much I think I like surprises, actively goes out of my way to ruin themselves, ruin them for me every single time. You kind of are always playing this mental game of like, it's like square peg round hole or round peg round hole, and you're trying to see what fits where. And it's one of those things where like Final Fantasy 16 and Resident Evil 4, like we were looking at that state of play before it happened. We were looking at, you know, the kind of studios that like would be there considering Sony warned us beforehand it would be heavy on third party the Japanese studios that Sony have obligations with, like Square Enix and Capcom, make sense. And all of a sudden, like Final Fantasy 16 and Street Fighter 6 um, and Resident Evil 4 just seem like the logical options to fit into those positions. Admittedly, I, d- I don't know if I was 100% convinced about Resident Evil 4. I thought it was a bit premature. But yeah, it went for the Summer Game Fest tonight. It will happen again on the Xbox showcase, like we don't have enough time today because we've got news to react to to make predictions for Xbox to showcase on Sunday. But if we did, I think we'd get like 70% of the titles because again, it's like round peg, round hole. Like Xbox. Well, you first- say, you say we, I mean, it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say you, well, because okay. um, I, I, f- I see, I feel like Jamie, your, your youthful exuberance and your knowledge of the gaming industry and how much you have your finger on the pulse <laughs> Um, and maybe you have some little people behind you, means that you are, uh, you know, not just predictive, you're also, um, you know, you can also see into the future a little bit when it comes to these things, and you're very good at predicting what's going to be there. I have the opposite. I'm very good at looking back 20, 30 years and talking about games that came out, because I'm terrible at keeping up with the news, but I feel it's almost like a superpower as well, because I'm constantly surprised at things I already knew about. Um, Right, yes. I see, I wish I had that. You and Chris often seem to be um, enamoured of my ability to completely forget about something that not only have we talked about, but we've made videos about in the past. And I'll go, what's that game? And then you're both like, uh, we literally covered it and we've done it yeah, in a video. Yeah, but that's, like a, that's like a memory thing. That's not like a... You Mine's know, terrible. I'm just learning this. My memory is horrendous. It's really bad. Yeah, but um, it's clearly your memory for things that aren't that important. And I think video games fall into that. Like you remember your kids' names, right? Uh, I just call them one and two. Okay, that works. It's, it's easy. It's easier. Um, but I I play like loads every year. I play so many games because I just I have to play more. I feel like I have to get a fix of playing a new game. I don't finish all of them. I probably finish like I think I worked out once. It's probably like ten percent. It's not a high percentage of games that I actually finish that I sure. start. 
but I play a lot more than I follow. But mm-hmm. I do find that it almost makes it more exciting when it comes to these events because I get I I've then reminded of games that I like the look of and I'm excited about. That's one of the things I was going to say is watching Summer Games Fest with you tonight. There were a lot of titles where we saw a logo treatment or we saw a bit of gameplay start up and I would go, oh, this is X. And you would immediately go, oh, yeah, I remember this, even if it was first shown, you know, two years ago. So there is some kind of deep-rooted memory in there, clearly. There, there is, and there's things that trip it that I remember and that I get excited about, and I sort of say, "Oh, this is so." For one that stood out for me that I'll mention now was um, uh, Warhammer 40k uh, Dark Tide, which is yes. something that I've never played one of those games before. But when we saw the, um, I guess it was the reveal trailer for it, I think it was last year, maybe. Um, I can't remember when it was. It was at an Xbox showcase. It was, and it, but it was, it was a very um, uh, Left 4 Dead style uh, four-player uh, co-op shooter thing, and it looked wicked. Yeah. Set in the, the Warhammer universe, and that was there tonight, which. Um, I was I was excited about. Unfortunately, we we um, I'll mention as well now because why the hell not? Um, oh. We aren't going to get to see replaced, which is the um, uh, the sort of pixel art style, almost like the last night side scrolling games, uh, sci fi punky future um, game, which um, sort of swept up a lot of the audience that were that were sort of a bit let down when last night didn't come out. Um, because those guys, I think, are actually based in Ukraine, and so Jeff Keighley even said that yeah. because of the the war situation that's going on there at the moment, whilst they were hoping to get a, a trailer out and get something um, uh, there for, um, tonight, Summer Game Fest, they weren't able to. So hopefully um, you could see something from them whenever they do manage to get that, uh, get back to it. But then if your office is half blown to pieces, I guess it's going to kind of put a bit of a, stum- a stumbling block in your way as to whether or not you can yeah. finish a trailer for a Summer Game Fest. So totally to like, on that front. Those are the kind of unforeseen circumstances that... Um, inhibit one's ability to develop and release a video game. But kind of going back a little bit to Want It Wonder's comment, you know, about predictions for shows and what's going to happen in the future, a lot of it revolves around actually how predictable and how repetitive the games industry really is. And everything really goes in cycles. And a lot of the big, you know, guesses and sort of um, and predictions you can make for these shows kind of fall into a very small number of buckets. One of them uh, is going to be extremely obvious when you say the names of the likes of Resident Evil 4, Street Fighter 6, and Final Fantasy 16 out loud, and that's that the games industry loves sequels. And unless you thought that Final Fantasy was going to stop at 15, Street Fighter was <laughs> going to stop at 5, and the Resident Evil remakes that were incredibly successful were going to stop at 3, then you kind of inherently knew that these things were coming, announced or not. It's the it was the classic thing with GTA six for years. Like, do you think they're going to stop at five? No. Well then does it matter if GTA six is announced or not? Obviously to some people the answer is yes, but inherently you know it's coming. And the other thing, and this applies more to the Xbox showcase, is does a studio exist? Yes. Have they been shut down? No. Do you think they've been sat there for X amount of years twiddling their thumbs? Never, because no one wastes money like that in this industry. In so facto, they're making something. So put two and two together and figure out what it is. Have they have like you know? It's one of those things. Like, and there are surprises in there, but it's often very cyclical. Talking about Square Enix though is is a funny one because I was fine with them. Um, You never know what version of their game it's going to be. Is it going to be a remake? Is it going to be a new one? So it could be sixteen, but it could also be it could be four, or it could be seven, or it could be pick a number. Pick a number and you you'll be you'll be yeah. kind of close. Oh, um, pick a number and then put any number of words after it. Like it could be eight tactics chronicles, you know, gonorrhea, you name it. It could be absolutely anything. Um, 
hey, but like I said, we did a um, we did a live stream and we actually watched the the showcase together, um, and we sort of reacted live. And if you are our Patreon, you can go onto our Patreon right now and you can check out that cheeky little video and you can watch along with us if you did miss it and you'd like to see these, the game footage and you'd like to see us react to it in real time. Um, I would also like to mention some of our Patreons now, Jamie, some of the lovely people that have gone over to patreon.com and have signed up. Oh, yeah. And there'll be, uh, there are some names on screen, but I would also like to read some out. They are Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cole K, Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camden Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Nathan Piers, Neil DeGeld's Dream of Prosthetic Mustaches, Daniel, Pastors Guild, Scary Omen, The Ballers Beauty, The Gorgeous Gelding, The Yummy Eunuch, The One and Only Mark Clancy, and then it is the big dogs. There is Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Reed, Manuel Guerrero, Peaswad, and Magna May Your Cock Never Burn Mikalson. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for um, all of your support. Thank you for keeping the lights on. And like I said, if you do have another two hours after you finish this podcast, maybe go and uh, check out um, that $5 tier bit of content that we've put up there, which is the watch along with Jamie and I uh, for the opening night of Summer Game Fest. Well, kind of kind of the opening night. The PlayStation yeah. Showcase was kind of the opening night. It's a weird one, right? Like it kind of started in media res if this were a literary thing. Yeah, and because the Sony thing was was also branded as the Summer Game Fest thing, yeah. but then tonight was Jeff Keighley was was Key Three, so it's kind of like you know it's it's yeah whatever. Yeah. It was good. That's what that's what I'll say. It, it was, was good. It was solid. It was what I expected it would be. And I think, like I was saying to you before we actually went live, is I have a weird thing now that it used to be uh, like a few years ago. It was always like. Has this one E3? Has that one E3? How good was that showcase? Did they do enough to really sort of like sell it to, to make me think they were, that show was fantastic? I have now have much more of a, a collectivist feeling and more of a uh, collaborative feeling that Summer Game Fest has brought all of these companies, mm. all of these different um, reveals together. And it's more of a, you can't judge Summer Game Fest on one evening of Summer Game Fest. You no. have to wait. And the, the months that it's going to be to react to the whole thing. Yeah, and, and the competition that was inherent when there was that feeling of, from the first party first party side of things, Sony would have a night and Microsoft would have a night and Nintendo would have a night. And then from the third party side of things, you'd have your EAs and your Ubisofts and the Square Enixes and so on and so forth. Various iterations, Bethesda over the years and so on. And so, like, it was much easier to just, like, you watched all of these things within the space of three or four nights. Sometimes there were two or three of them in one night, and it was just like right. second nature to compare them and say, well, X had bigger reveals than Y, and they had more gameplay than Z, and so on and so forth. But you're right, like, Keeley has kind of brought a slightly more collaborative feeling to this, where, like, hey, Sony did technically have a state of play, and Xbox will have a showcase this weekend. But I don't think anyone's, unless you're one of those weirdos on Twitter with, like, a, you know, Kratos is your profile picture and you're sucking off Ragnarok release dates every two weeks. Um, like, no one's really going to go to bat either. Like, there, it's only for the real fringe people who are going to be like, Resident Evil 4 was way better than Avowed. You guys suck dick. Um, <laughs> it's much more just like, June is a time where it makes sense to uh, announce games and show more about games. It's not a hugely, um, you know, fast moving or popular time when it comes to the actual release calendar and so it's just a nice time to get it get get you know a nice message out there it basically traditionally was always the basically the perfect time to say hey our game's coming out this fall like put, put our game on your right. christmas list there are of course odds and ends where it's like we'd really like to remind you that this game's coming out next week and there's plenty of that in summer games fest but be you're right like 
it's far more of just like a kind of cut and dry everyone come together to market video games kind of time of year which is fine and if you measure your expectations and you don't get too far ahead of yourself like you just get to see cool shit and what's not to like about that no absolutely and I, th- I think that for me that's sort of much more collaborative process whereby it's because it used to be the thing as well that maybe you'd say oh is this game going to be shown at this event or is it going to be shown at this event it does seem with um summer game fest there's more occasions when it's shown at both events and you get some of the same people even popping up like i'm sure troy baker will appear again before uh before the end of summer game fest but that's not necessarily a bad thing hey you can have um multiple times he might not even be invited he'll just work his way onto a stage somewhere and be like the world always needs more troy baker and here i am baby no socks let's rock and roll I don't know if the world could handle much more Troy Baker. He does seem to I've I've seen him twice in the last 3 hours. I'm not sure I could handle much more Troy Baker, much less the world. No, that's that's absolutely true. Um but right now Jamie, I don't want to hear about Troy Baker because do you know who I want to hear about? <laughs> I want to hear I want to hear about you. <laughs> you want to hear about me? What do you want to know? I'm an open book, Josie. What have you been playing in this last week? I have been playing a couple of things, and weirdly enough, they're all of the free-to-play variety. That wasn't a you know a choice I made beforehand or an adventure I decided to embark on. It was just the way things happened, because they were both fascinating to me for very different reasons. One is a game that has been making headlines, although not for perhaps the reasons it would have initially desired, and that's Diablo Immortal, which is the new Diablo game for mobile, and it's out on PC in beta form, that's... Uh, yeah, was kind of initially. It's been it's had a pretty rocky road to release because I, I don't know if you remember this was the game that was announced at BlizzCon many years ago and was immediately met by a number of memes. The whole "you guys don't have phones" meme. The guy who went up and asked a question in the open Q and A and uh, suggested that Diablo Mortal might be an out of season April Fool's joke. Um, it's had a rocky road to getting here, as I said, and it's been testing and feels like it's been out in various locations around the world for you know, some combinations of weeks or months, and now it's finally just out there globally. Well, unless you live in certain European nations where it breaks gambling laws and it's just straight up not allowed to come out, like Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, and yeah, like, I'll be honest with you, when I started playing it, I so I played the mobile version for like maybe half an hour to an hour, and then okay. I played the PC version for like maybe another hour or two. And I just thought it was fine. Um, I thought it was... Did you transition because it was bad on mobile and it was better on PC, or was it just because you were like, let me try this on multiple It it was initially that I wanted to try it across both, and it ended up being that the PC version was far more preferable, even though the PC port in its current state is really not up to snuff. Uh, Just basic things like being able to change the resolution in-game just doesn't exist. The assets don't particularly look like they were designed to scale up. I found controller support horrible on the PC to the point where I ended up playing some weird version of mouse and keyboard where I was clicking to move and using, uh, you know, one to four, uh, on the, my, uh, on my keyboard as like to hotkey various moves. And I don't know, it felt weird. Um, but in spite of that, I thought that it was a sufficiently good sort of revision of what Diablo does well, uh, made to work for a mobile format in that like okay. you've got less screen real estate you can you know you can't maybe go quite as hard on you know like it, it, it's going to be less of a game and of course it's free to play as well so it's going to have different trappings it's going to have a different you know uh, it's going to have a different length it's going to have a different end game it has more sort of like quasi mmo style elements that reminded me of like 
you know how games like Destiny and whatnot flirt with other MMO-style ideas, like seeing other players out in the wild, and you can kind of engage in some of their fights as long as they're not quest-sensitive, and um, you can predominantly play solo, but then when you get to certain areas like dungeons, it offers you the opportunity to party up. And I, I thought it was fine. Um, like, I thought it was mostly fun, Um and I, I thought they'd just taken the components of Diablo that make sense on just about in just about any format and brought them over to mobile, and they hadn't lost too much of the magic along the way. The overwhelming feeling I got though was just that, like, I'd rather just be playing a Diablo game, like right. especially when I'm on the PC. Like, why am I playing a kind of a, a mobile port? Yeah, like why am I playing a mobile Diablo when I have Diablo three? And like Diablo, there are things that fundamentally Diablo three does far better than Immortal, even though it's not the hot new fresh thing and i kind of left it at that and then in the days that followed the internet blew up because it became a huge huge uh controversy uh, with regards to its potential pay to win uh mechanics it's a it's a, it's a slightly complicated wishy-washy issue because essentially the way blizzard have kind of framing at the moment and the game director who's been receiving a lot of heat is that they don't see it as pay to win because you can't directly spend any money to invest in what they refer to as gear. So gear being right. the weapon or armor that you might put in those slots. The issue is that there are things that you slot into the gear you have. Um, I think they're I think they're called gems. I forget a lot of the terminology, and those gems do have a, a lot of heavy like microtransaction association, and you need lots of those gems, or you need them particularly high level, um, and upgrading them is its own kettle of fish to be as powerful as you want to be. And oh, okay. so then reports started coming out saying that estimations for getting a maxed out Diablo Immortal character at the moment suggest it would cost uh, $110,000, <laughs> um, which, again, is a pretty rough headline to have in your game's global release is that less is, than a week that old. Is, that's hilarious, but also it's not that surprising because anytime you have... Um, like pay to win elements in a game, even if they try and sort of hide the pay to win elements apparently in a game. Um, you know, that because the prices have to cater for the fact that most people aren't going to spend all the money yes, to upgrade exactly. the character max. So they do end up being very, very expensive because they, you know, they're maybe you're only going to make one purchase of like five bucks or whatever. But they also don't want to exhaust the amount of upgrading you can do. So I'm not that surprised that if you just sell yeah, right. everything into it, you can get to 100. Because, because their statistics probably say, okay, we have X million players, 0.5% uh, of them are going to spend money and 0.01% of them are going to spend a large amount of money. And yeah. on the basis that 99.9% .9 of people aren't going to spend a large amount of money, how much room do we want to leave for those whales to spend should they be willing and like yeah if the sad fact is and we know this now is if if you let someone spend over a hundred thousand dollars in a game they will do it like there are people out there who will do it it sounds crazy but believe me it's true um I w I've always wondered if there's like a, an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos or someone like that who's on the, who gets addicted to like a Candy Crush or something, and they're so or you know whatever it is, and they're so rich that they just don't care, and they yeah. see something that's like buy fifty thousand gold for a uh, for five grand, and they're like yeah 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 I, yeah. I, I, I would do that if I was a billionaire. Why not? Yeah, like fuck it. I, do you know what you could you could sit there, look at your watch, and literally you you tap the button to to spend another five grand only when you see a certain amount of time pass, like three seconds, when you know you've just made five grand. So you go, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yep, and you know that your net is your 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 net uh, like what do you call it your your level. So you've not spent or lost anything. So you're you're fine. You've only spent interest. So you're like it's fine. 
Oh, what a life that would be. I'm just killing a worker in another country. Yeah, so, exactly. So, so right. One less factory worker in China, one more legendary gem for me. It's a simple, it's a one-in-one-out equation. Super simple, yeah. Easy, easy, yeah. easy decision. We're giving right. Elon Musk ideas now. We've got to be careful. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the controversy. And I will say also that the game has a lot of sort of like leaderboardy style tracking that obviously gets quite competitive. And there is straight up PvP content. And then, of course, you get into a real grey area where the combination of PvP and pay-to-win uh, obviously gets very dicey. So lots of uproar. Um, it is now, I think... Uh, it is bl- certainly Blizzard's uh, lowest ever rating uh, on Metacritic uh, in terms of the user score. I think it was like, I don't even want to guess, but I think it was like 0.5 or something like that. Um, so yeah, they're taking a hammering for this. I'm sure the game is still doing just fine in terms of downloads and revenue, but the reputation of the game has really been sullied. And there is still a bit of a discussion because I think fundamentally, and I do get this argument, there is still probably like a really solid amount of content that one can get out of this completely for free without yes. feeling pressured to spend any money. Um, and 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 considering it's like not a bad game alongside that, there is still something here where I'm like, if someone asked me, should they be put off by these microtransactions to the extent that they don't ever touch Diablo Immortal, I'd say, well, obviously just like follow your own, you know, your own morals and how your own feeling about all this stuff and whether or not you feel like you're supporting it by downloading and playing the game. But fundamentally, like there's a half decent Diablo game on mobile right now. And, you know, in previous years, that in itself would have been a really cool headline. I think there's like 20 hours of content that you can play without feeling any pressure whatsoever to um, become monetized as a human. Um, And that's also not an inconsiderable, but you know, it's not like a tiny, a small amount of time, but I totally get that the, um, when when looked at at its most extreme, the monetization of this game is really fucked up, um, and I get why so many people are unwilling to support a game like that. Yeah, it is, it is a strange one because you do have, on one hand, you can you can make the argument, hey, look, if you don't want to spend the money, you don't spend any money, and they're giving you stuff for free. Like, how can you, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth and all that. At the same time, there is also the idea of, as a fan of something like Diablo, because it is under that bracket it's it's very difficult to say, hey, do you know what? I'm going to steer well clear of that and I'm not going to touch it, knowing that it's going to try and, you know, try and incentivize you yeah. to spend real world money on, on it I'm, relentlessly. I ended up doing both. I feel like I had a good, like, five hours and I don't need to touch it again. And if anything, it just kind of made me glad that a Diablo 4 is in development, assuming Blizzard do right by that game. And I don't think that's a bad take to have. Like, there's more Diablo around the corner and there are better... Uh, fairer loot games out there too um yeah it's but it's a, still a bit of a shame that this has gone south in the way it has um yes again people who want to have fun with it have fun with it people want to have spend money spend money people want to create petitions to send uh blizzard into the shadow realm i get that as well like when it comes to microtransactions there are a million takes out there and i find it hard to argue or disagree with any single one of them but like yeah for me it's like it's I just had my time and I'm going to move on because I don't really want to engage with it. Yeah, which, which is the way to play it. That is absolutely the way to go. If you can just have something, enjoy it, and then yeah. say, I'm done with it. Hey, yeah, no. Do you know what else? Do you know what other free-to-play to, free to play game I don't really want to engage with anymore? <laughs> you see, you've, you've, you've given away the best bit. I was I was excited to find out whether or not you enjoyed this or not. No, that's, that's harsh than it sounds. Um, I played Roller Champions, 
which is Ubisoft's long-awaited free-to-play weird rollerblading dodgeball slash handball kind of game. Um, Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Do you know what, like, the most honest thing I can say about this, and it's the most damning thing I can say about this game as well, is that it's just completely unremarkable. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But, like, that's just not enough nowadays. Do you know what I mean? That that could be the tagline for Ubisoft in <laughs> this day and age. Yeah. They're unremarkable. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's nothing that amazing in this Yeah, like, it, 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 especially in the free-to-play scene, as we were just talking about, like, you can't just release a game that there's nothing wrong with and expect it to, to, to you know, to sink, not to sink when others swim. Um, for sure, so, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, Roller Champions, for anyone that hasn't seen, it's a... 3v3 kind of sports game that's clearly heavily inspired by the successes of games like Rocket League. Um, you essentially uh, are on rollerblades going around a kind of NASCAR-looking oval ring. When you go through four checkpoints, a goal that is a kind of big Quidditch-like circle in the air opens up, and you can throw the ball into that circle to score a goal, or you can try and do more laps to build up more points that you will eventually earn when you score that goal. But if you lose the ball and um, the other team get possession, then your sort of run is over, and they have to start doing laps to earn points to then score the goal and get them added to the scoreboard. Um, it plays completely fine. Like there is kind of like a, some like as you can imagine like you played um Riders Republic right so you can yes. imagine like Ubisoft making a game about like rollerblading fundamentally there is something to the weight and the physics and the movement and the way you pump your legs to build up speed that feels yeah. quite nice and like you go up the you know the sides of the ramps because it's all sort of um, curved at the edges um it, it, yeah, like the the momentum and the movement feels sufficient the passing feels okay there's a nice kind of like tackle button which is ba- you're just basically just annihilate people like it's ice hockey um but yeah um it just felt like completely unremarkable like i just played it for an hour or two with a friend and we were like this is a totally fine free to play sports game and there's absolutely no reason to play it is it the kind of free-to-play sports game that you think some people will get their teeth into and it will actually be a bit of a sleeper hit or um it will it start to get a bit more traction, or do you think it's one that will just sort of quietly die you, away? You, you never know, and like I feel like if I took a punt on a question like this with every single free-to-play game that came and went, I'd maybe be right 50% of the time, <laughs> and this is absolutely one of those times. Right, my, okay. my current guess is, though, that this will not have much of a life, um, purely based on the fact that this game has been out for, I think, over two weeks now, and I almost had to remind myself that this game existed and go out there and seek it out. Like, it's not making much noise. Ubisoft aren't making much noise about it. Um, yeah, it just feels like a bit of an unfortunate thing that should have not only come out probably a couple of years ago, but also been better, um, to put it bluntly. It's, it's it's so strange to me. Like, we'll talk about a game later on that was made by a basic... Most of it was made by one guy and has got a lot more excitement behind it than um, anything Ubisoft have done in the last few years, which is so weird because they, they're such a good company and I really hope that they sort out... I, I think they fundamentally have a marketing problem for one. Like, they they just seem to make games that are perfectly fine, perfectly serviceable, whatever, but then they just kind of disappear and then they're not really disappeared and but then, then they just kind of come out and then no one says anything about them and then they just go away. You kind of Very hinted strange. at it yourself, though, like a few minutes ago, like, is doing something that's perfectly fine and perfectly serviceable enough anymore? Like they're making no, think, they're making big budget fine things, but I think sometimes the marketing can can be the difference between um, 
something which is fine doing well and something which is fine just disappearing. Because I, because I think if you stand behind something and you really shout loud enough, if you can get enough people to play it, you will find some people that you will find enough people who say, no, this is actually really good. I, I think this is fun. I enjoy it. Who will stick with it? Whereas the Ubisoft don't even seem to try and find those people. They just seem to let a game. Yeah, but wouldn't the solution like beyond marketing to be start making better games? Uh, yes. Yeah. No, that is ab- absolutely something they should, they should do. <laughs> but I guess that's the harder. Have prospect. you ever considered a career so. in consultancy, James? I should put you and Eve <laughs> on the phone. Have you considered making better games? Oh no, I never thought games. about like this. Thank you for and your then market idea. them. Make better yeah. games, market them. But you know, hey. Question mark, question mark, question mark, profit. Yes. So yeah, um, that was my weekend free to play gaming. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Uh, okay, I'm going to um, keep this quite quick because I didn't do much playing. Um, well, no, that's not true. I did do a bit, but I'm going to keep it short because it was an older game. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm still on my kick of going back and finishing games that I hadn't finished yet. Um, I believe I was like halfway through Red Dead Redemption 2 when I went back to it. Um, I've played another fair few hours. Uh, it did take me a little while to get back into it, actually. It took me a while to... that. We talked about it not too long ago, and you absolutely rejected the idea that there's any kind of... It's a perfect uh, game. <laughs> there's any kind of um, finessing no I'm going to use nice word finessing okay. that, sh- that Rockstar need to do to some of their games sometime and I know why it is because that game works very very well when you are locking on to enemies to shoot them in the head while they're riding on a horse behind you like it locks on brilliantly etc etc um, and it feels great there is some finessing that needs to be done and I did bump into a few issues where I was like this game's controls are so annoying but after you know an hour or so, I was I was right back into it. Um, and phenomenal story. And I always do this. I always do this with old games. Um, I'm not even old, older, like you know, not that old games, but that I don't finish. Not new, <laughs> not new games. I sometimes miss massive cinematic things or standout levels or just things that I never got to in a game. And someone will say to me, "Oh, did you did you enjoy that level?" And I'm like oh, I don't think I ever got to that level. And then it blows my mind when I do go back and do it. And I'm like, hmm. oh, that was, how did I miss that? Um, I, it, it actually happened to me with uh, The Last of Us. Oh, The because Last of Us. I thought I got excited that you were going to say about it happening in Red Dead. No, no, and it did happen in Red oh, Dead. Oh, okay, good. It happened in Red Dead too. Um, and one of the things that happened to me that I hadn't done was where you get to ride in a hot air balloon with some old boy who takes you up and you sort of looking for John Marsden in prison and then you see the O'Driscolls who start who are attacking Sadie, and you've got to like shoot from the balloon. I mean, ludicrous balloons don't get don't follow people <laughs> like that. But very cinematic, very enjoyable. Had a real fun experience. Um, I've obviously done the whole like South America thing, uh, and then come back to. Um, Did you even know that that portion of the game existed? Yes, okay. no, I did not exist it, but I I never I did I wasn't quite sure about how it slotted in. I wasn't because right. okay. I'd heard people mention it and I thought it was almost like the game goes to South America and that's where you spend this, the latter half of the game. But then when I played it and I actually looked online when I sort of first went there just to kind of get an idea about how long that section was and it. And a few people saying like, what was the point of this? Cause it's so brief. I mean, um, there's, not, there's not a lot you can do. And I was the, like, Oh, okay. The point of that location is not for like open world or gameplay purposes though. It's, no. it's character purposes. It's that's where, there are some significant shifts in the relationship between Arthur and Dutch that happen there. Yes, no, for sure there are, and it's and I think the how how palpable the the sort of disconnect between Dutch and the rest of the gang get 
I'd for, I'd kind of started to forget. And then that was, that was actually a good place to come back in because it kind of reminds you and doubles down on a lot of that stuff. Um, mm. And then start to cause fractures between the gang and everything. But no, um, that, the story of that game is definitely the thing which I think is the strongest element for me. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be back into it and I'm, I'm, I'm with it to the end. Rock and roll. What was the Last this of Us time. thing you were mentioning that about a cinematic... Uh... I stopped playing... The, originally, on the PlayStation 3, I stopped playing The Last of Us 1 when you crash the car. And okay, yeah. you... Um, I think you get out and then you start fighting the humans for the first time. And I kind of... I stopped around there and I was... Because I thought it was going to be more of clickers and whatever. And I remember you saying to me at the time no, 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 you're so close to like the best latter third of a game ever. You need to carry on playing. Like you're just before the, it gets really good. And I was like, am I? And so then I bought it on, and then I borrowed it from you, the uh, PlayStation 4 version. Mm. And then I finished it. And I was like, holy hell, Jamie, I can't believe I nearly didn't finish this game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, because it was, because all of, from that point on, that game, that game just gets phenomenal and gets. Yeah, I agree. Because that's where you meet the, uh, the brothers um, just before you leave that area, right? And then that, that whole sub story has its own very uh, sad ending. Mm. And then, yeah, then there's the university and everything that happens to Jolt. Yeah, there's some great stuff in there. There's, yes. There's but so yeah, much, w- there's winter, so which I think is what you were like referring to, I is, I think at least in broader terms, right? Like, when 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 the snow starts to fall, um, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, and but there's and it's just I always do it and I always do it and I always miss these big cinematic things because they often come in the in the, the like the final third because they're sort of setting up the the end and I always seem to fall off games sort of toward the end of the second third because it's that middle section where it gets a little bit drier and I, especially if it's an open world game, I start to go wandering off and looking for side quests. Oh yeah, that's exactly that's, where I lost Ghost of Tsushima. Right, right, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So easy to do in a game like that. Super mm. easy to do in a game like that. Um, so the two other things I will briefly mention because um, I have done them as well is I watched Invasion uh, on Apple TV um a good series weirdly low budget invasion it doesn't ring a bell i'm gonna have to do some live googling while you describe it so invasion is a series about um a an alien force that come to earth and start at seemingly attacking people and no one knows what's going on and it's like world over they get people are getting attacked um and there's sort of lots of different uh different characters different people that you follow around the world as this stuff's happening um and you see you know how they're dealing with it what's how they're involved in the invasion um or how they're trying to stop the invasion i should say uh, and it's like so you follow like a, a husband and wife and their two kids and then you follow, follow like a a japanese um engineer or was who works for the communications engineer who works for JASA and they're trying to like figure out what's happened to their satellites and then you follow like this American soldier who's in Kabul when it kicks off and then he's trying to like make his way back to America and I actually it's a very good series I really enjoyed it from the human side of it and from seeing the different people and the the um the, the actors were fantastic and I I um I think it was very good from that aspect as a a an alien invasion film it was quite low budget in the CGI side of it. But we, what's clever was they knew their budget and they knew their ability. So what they've done is completely serviceable. You won't see any dodgy sort of monster um, uh, models or anything. Like everything they've done is completely serviceable and absolutely fine. You're not going to be put off by low budget stuff. Well, they just they just don't show stuff they can't afford to show, which was refreshing. I will give them that, um, but noticeable 
if that makes sense. So mm. you don't see, you might not see something happen directly. You'll see someone's reaction to it. Okay. You might not see um, the alien eat the person and eviscerate them. You might, it'll just like, they'll disappear behind a bookshelf. Right. It's often quite indirect kind of. Indirect. Yeah. Indirect is the word. Um, there's a couple of more notable situations where it happens where in a big budget series, you would, they would go to town and you'd see the car crash. You'd see it flip over. You'd see an explosion. But they like War of the Worlds. <laughs> yes yeah you don't see but sometimes you don't see that but it's no it's a good series um it needs a season two i don't really know where they're going with where they're up to they're, it's definitely finished on a cliffhanger um but enjoyable very cool and the other thing that i'm watching at the moment is uh severance because you and chris talked about it so much that i was i, I was hoping that you're about to say that another thing you've seen this past week was severance but now you're still watching it. how far through are you um i think maybe f- four or five episodes i'm not really sure okay. i can't quite remember um a weird show i have no idea where it's going to go at the moment like <laughs> oh you, you yes you don't you're right you don't i so i th- i have ideas i don't want to ruin it for other people though for people who haven't seen it i'll, t- I'll mention them to you after yeah, and sure. you can just you can nod and just not tell me but um a very strange show a very cool show, some good ideas, some interesting I was going to say cuz like i always th- thought that even as the mysteries are still kind of like you know, unraveling and you get towards some of the big reveals and twists that might, you know, make more sense later on in the season. I still thought that the early episodes and the build up and the kind of the, the the kind of the science fiction behind what they're actually, you know, what's actually happening in the show and some of the kind of like the more meta level things that the kind of the reflections on people's actual work life balance and real life corporate structures and the, like some of those almost Stanley Parable esque kind of like fourth wall breaking right. elements. I always thought they'd be right up your street for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know. Is it is it hitting or is it at the moment? This is just good. No, it's no, it's hitting. It's wicked. Okay, it's, okay, it's very, okay. It's very cool. Uh, no, you're right. Some of the the sci-fi stuff I love. Like if so, if you haven't seen it, I'll give I'll, just, I'll give you a tiny snapshot for people out there who are listening um, or watching. So uh, you have people who work on a floor of a building where they are severed, which means that their their personality, their memories, and um, everything are tied to a specific place. So effectively, what they do is they separate your per, your 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 mind so that it is locational. So when people arrive at work, they become one person um, who is effectively born on their first day of work, if you like. They have no memories before that point. But then when they leave in the lift or they go out of a door or whatever, um, they become their original self. And so and neither, none of those or neither of those personalities ever ever talk to each other or interact. So effectively, and this is the, this is the freakiest, most horrible part of it, you get in the lift to go home from work. The lift goes up. But halfway up in the lift ride, you switch to the other person. That person goes home, has dinner, hangs out with the family, has all the off time, comes back, gets in the lift, goes down, and then switches back to the work person again. But for the work person, they effectively just are immediately back at work. Yeah, it's like the elevator doors close and immediately open, and you never left work. They never left. They just are suddenly refreshed because their alter self, their outie, as they call it, um, has had a sleep. But if their outie went and got wrecked and is hung over, they will feel like crap. And they'll be like, yeah. oh, I feel terrible. And they try and guess like what their outies do. Like they say to each other, oh, you stink today. Or, um, oh, you look you look amazing. You must have had a really restful weekend. And, and they're like, it was the weekend? <laughs> and they just find it really strange because yeah. they don't have any sense of um, the outside world. But it also delves into the psychology of what can you do to someone who can't leave. Yeah. 
um, which is very strange, and it does and, go to some dark places. Um, and and also the psychology of like, and there are some games that have tried to grapple with this in the past. I remember Soma was one of them, interestingly enough. Like, kind of, can you get to a point where, and different, you know, TV shows and movies and games to do it through different means, we can kind of acknowledge that there is a separate version of yourself um, and how can you kind of like empathize with them or relate to what they're going through or like acknowledge that they are you, but you are not them in a weird way. Um, right. Like the reason it, that's been on my mind a lot lately, did you ever see the movie Primer? Yes. The, 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 the time, the time travel, travel movie. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and for anyone that doesn't know, uh, one of the things that, so Primer is very uh, careful about the way it establishes its uh, time travel premise and the way its unique form of time travel works. And one of the side effects of the time travel in Primer is essentially people travel back in time um, to a point where the version of them from the past that's about to go and do everything they just did exists. So every time you travel back in time, you're cre- essentially creating a double and you have to not interact with the, the, pr- the past version of yourself in order to not create an anomaly. And it's fine because if the two versions of you never meet or interact or never do anything that creates any kind of disturbance in the time travel, then you know the version of you from the past is going to go and get into the time travel machine and disappear into your current past... Um, and you can keep living, and that's completely fine, and it creates an infinite loop that closes itself once you've exceeded the amount of time that you travelled back by. But there is still that fascinating thing of, like, for a certain period of time, like, that's you, they are literally you, but they're just on their own thing, and it's like, whose consciousness are you with, and who are you inside? Like, if you created a double of yourself right now, which one are you? You're both of them, but which one are you? Like yeah, it's weird. I, so not, I know that's fucking stupid, but yeah. No, no, I, no. I, it's, it's I, not I like stupid that at all. kind it's, of stuff. It's the idea. It's the multiplicity thing, right? It's that. It's also that thing of um, uh, how would you know which one you are? Because you would be like, were you the original? And they'd both go, yeah, but well, one yeah. of them is wrong. Like that's so uh, minor well, spoilers, I think. But I think that I, from what I remember, that's what Soma does. It's like the way you get out of this situation is by like, we will create two of you and one of you will stay and one of you will go. And it's like, if you're the one that stayed, then like you're, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Like if you, yeah, if you double yourself, which one are you? There's because there's something they also do in altered carbon. Um, because in altered carbon, obviously you can, they can, uh, you can take your, um, your memories, and you can put them into another body. But one of the things they deal with in some of the, some of those episodes is you can doubles, you can double sleeve, so you can effectively duplicate your stack, and you can right. put it in another body. So then there are two of you walking around. And some of the things they mess around with later on in this, I think, first season is they sort of say like, um, uh, "You as the viewer don't know which one's which, and one of them is like gonna go to their death possibly, and you don't know who is it. Your one." Or is it the other one? But it's like, but do you have a one? Is there an original one? Or is, you know, yeah. no, very interesting. Very cool stuff. Uh, weird shows on um, Apple TV, which are right on my street. Um, and there's a few more as well, like sci-fi, wacky stuff. Um, but do you know what? Apple TV are not the only company who seem to absolutely bloody love a bit of sci-fi, a bit of spacefaring, um, especially <laughs> if you throw horror into there. Because at Summer Game Fest, we were treated to a number of space uh, horrors. Um they seem to become coming thick and fast, uh, and we will get to them, but we're going to go in uh, chronological order, so I'm not going to jump ahead of myself. Um, but we will get to some space horrors, don't worry. But first up, I mean, yeah, it won't take that long, actually. Yeah, it won't take that long at all. 
Um, first up, though, was a quick look at Street Fighter VI, which was showing off some footage of Guile, um, who is, you know, a, a fan favourite and has been around for since the beginning days. Because I remember in Street Fighter Two, I used to call him Ghoulie because I thought that's how I he love said that. his name. Yeah, and he was my he was my favourite character. I think if I'd played Street Fighter Two back in the day, he would have been mine as well, just for the music. I love that the character's theme has become more famous than he is, but that's just the way the internet goes, I think, sometimes. And the haircut, of course. I mean, the haircut's yeah. iconic, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Street Fighter Six is a, is a fantastic-looking fighting game, and we got a little taste um, at the PlayStation Showcase uh, whereby they're offering, they're going to put out some sort of different game modes where there's like an open, yeah. um, more of an open world feel to one. Um, I can't remember the other two. It's one's uh, a normal battle mode. I yeah, think there's like a battle it. hub and there's a versus thing and like there's footage of people running around Metro City. Like almost looks like at times they're engaging random people in fights. I don't know, yes. but I don't mind that. I think that's what we're, we're going to have to get used to that with Street Fighter Six, where there's a classic thing with fighting games, especially with big rosters where each new announcement, unless it's all been leaked, which is basically the case with Street Fighter Six, admittedly, but the rosters are obviously things that get people excited. And so now Capcom have an excuse to kind of come back every month or so and be like, did you know that Cammy's in this one? Um, and that's They're basically following the uh, Super Smash Bros formula. Li- yeah, of, uh, literally, just like yeah. announcing a character. Yeah. Hoping people will get excited. Um, and then, Jamie, we got treated to our first dose of uh, star, uh, star-faring horror because mm. Aliens Dark Descent, um, which had a very nice cinematic trailer, and we were trying to figure out what Aliens game we were looking at. Um, but we were quite both quite surprised, I, I think, to uh, realise that it was an isometric uh, yeah. game coming out in 2023. Um it looked cool. Like the isometric style definitely works with aliens in that. Obviously we've seen it in a number of other games uh, like the ascent, um, you know, quite, quite recently for one. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon? Is this one that you think you might have? Like, hands like, on? Like, totally. Like the, the, the shift when they kind of revealed that slightly more isometric perspective was uh, an odd one, because like you said, we were trying to place it. And I think at the time we were kind of more convinced that it was going to maybe be some kind of DLC or even a sequel to the aliens fireteam elite game that uh, came out not that long ago. I think the thing about that is that it proved that when you get people together and give them guns from the Alien franchise and tell them to shoot Xenomorphs, there's fun to be had. And so the idea of another studio exploiting that with a, from a different perspective, you mentioned The Ascent, like a great example of like, you know, isometric or twin stick shooters, you know, uh, can be a lot of fun, even more so in co-op. And Xenomorphs are fun to kill. Like the more green blood that's splattered, the better. And um, yeah. I'll, Just I'll, don't I'll, touch it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Don't let them get too close and don't touch the blood and you'll be fine. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely give this a go. And again, like you talked about the kind of the space horror theme that seemed weirdly present throughout this. This was one of the least scary versions of that, which I'm also on board for. Like I can kill xenomorphs now without getting the, the jitters. It is true. The isometric shooter is one that doesn't sort of uh, stoke fear in the player because I'm completely fine with them. What yeah. I'm not fine is a game like the Callista Protocol. Um, that we got an extended look at. Uh, we got to see a bit more gameplay than we've seen recently. It looks even more like Dead Space than we at first thought. I think um, when we were watching, you pointed out the fact that the space suit that he's wearing um, and the green bar at the back of the neck is like a looks very, very uh, similar to a health oh, bar that, yeah. that Isaac had on the back of him. Um, but it's also, he's got a gravity gun, um, which they showed off, which looked pretty cool, uh, which again looked something very much like something out of Dead Space. Um, Coming December 2nd, so um, we actually don't have to wait too long either to play this game. I, I'm i not going to be able to play it, but I really want to, which is a shame. 
See, I, I think I that. might, because Dead Space was really fucking scary. Even Dead Space 2, in its own right, was really fucking scary, and yet I kind of managed with them for some reason. And there was something about just how violent and visceral it was, and there was something about shooting off limbs and curb-stomping... Um, what were they called in... Necromorphs, they were called in Dead right. Space, that was, like, satisfying and impactful enough that I was like, actually, I can keep going. And I think there might be a little of that present, little bit of that present in the Callisto Protocol too. And like when we were watching it live together, I kept saying, "I'm really trying as hard as I can to give these guys the benefit of the doubt and not invoke the name Dead Space." But they really, really, really <laughs> wanted us to know that this is a hell of a lot like Dead Space because, again, it was exactly like I just said. You were shooting limbs off alien creatures, and when their limbs came off, they crawled towards you. And when they crawled towards you, you just started curbing the curb stomping the shit out of them long after they're dead. And you also have a player character that dies in lots of gross ways. Um, yes, it, yeah, yeah. One, I think one we got to see um, was uh, a neck toothy monster, like where they open and then the teeth are all like round here, just bite your character's face off. Which yeah. was, um, yeah, very Mortal Kombat. So, uh, like one of the more that. gruesome decapitations I can remember seeing lately, and I've been watching a lot of Live Leak. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, Modern Warfare 2, though, didn't have any hor- horrible decapitations, but it did have lots of water, and it looked particularly nice. There was um, some gameplay on a boat, on a cargo ship, with some containers sliding all around. Um, I think we were saying at the time as well that it's the same engine that Modern Warfare um, from 2019 um, used and is putting it to to good effect. It looks very like I was think I said as well. It looks very good in um, sort of close quarters, in confined spaces. Still looks very good when it's opened up when it's a bit more spread out. But it was really good to actually get to see some footage um, ahead of its release. Obviously coming out in October. I think it is. Is it October? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Like there were some interesting kind of technical things to observe early on because, as you said. It's kind of a, you know, an adaptation and a progression of that MW engine that was really impressive when it came around in 2019. And you kind of got this all playing out in the backdrop of now they're unifying the Call of Duty engine, so all future entries in the Call of Duty series and even spin-offs like Warzone will use this one engine, which allows you know a lot more, more cohesive creation on their part. Hugely you know, um, important and uh, beneficial move from like a technical perspective, but it was interesting to see how it would... Uh, benefit or, or hinder potentially the visuals on display here and i i think they felt good there is still we discussed it when we were live streaming there is still an element here of like this is also a playstation 4 game um you know this, this is a game that's coming out on a nine-year-old console like there are there are elements here where i'm not su- suggesting they're being completely held back by previous gen but i don't think they've gone whole hog they've also done it looked like they're doing a lot more in-engine presentation for what might have once been cinematics in previous years. Again, that yeah. might be a conscious choice, but fundamentally, actually, the, you know what? The last thing I'll say is I think one of the more interesting things about Modern Warfare 2, this Modern Warfare 2, is is that kind of Central South American setting. You know, lots of talk about like a Mexican Special Forces, uh, uh, you know, soldier fighting alongside uh, Task Force 141 and the cartel and all this stuff. And I think... That seems like a really interesting backdrop for a campaign, but it comes a hell of a lot less interesting when the first thing we see was like a weird sort of like oil rig mission followed by you know a big nighttime fire on a tanker. And it's like I'd have liked to see some more of the environmental variety that hopefully is being introduced to the campaign. But at the end of the day, it's Call of Duty, right? Like we'll see it yeah, eventually. It's going to be a lot of night. There's going to be a lot of nighttime fighting and uh, oh yeah, night vision goggles and uh, all sorts. 
Yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, not long to wait for that one, which um, obviously Call of Duty every year. But I don't know if it's yeah. going to... It definitely doesn't have the... The, the sort of like the murmurings around that Modern Warfare 1 had, but maybe that's just because it's, um, well, I don't even know what to call it now, Mod, twen- Modern Warfare 2019 had. Yeah. But maybe that's because it is, it's, and, you know, that was a remake and it was a really big deal and this is kind of a... But even a still, like, th- there were murmurings about, like, the tone and the content and how dark it was yes. and that, uh, that Camden Townhouse mission that was demoed right. for the press and, like, spawned a f- very interesting range of reactions. It doesn't look like there's anything like that going on here. Um, no. Which, no, no, you know. which is what I mean. They've gone maybe for a different... Maybe they've gone through a different thing or maybe the journos just aren't as shit up this time. <laughs> so they're, not, they're not as shook up. They're like, who are you going after? Oh, oh, uh, the South America, it's fine. The cartel, go for it. Do what it. you want. We're not shooting babies anymore. It's fine. <laughs> um, then I got a little treat because uh, after 30 years, Flashback is making a comeback with Flashback 2 and it looks very good. Flashback, for anyone who doesn't know, is a, well, was a side-scrolling kind of like um, action-y, mystery uh, adventure game. But they've sort of taken the aesthetic from Flashback and they've they've updated it to the modern day, but it still incorporates that pixel art style with some more 3D elements, but it's not, it doesn't look like it's an outright 3D game, maybe sort of like um, 2.5D, but with some cool ways of incorporating that into into the game. But yeah, I'm psyched to see what they've actually done with this because like I said, it's a, it's hard. Flashback is a mystery game, um, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Mm. And this is um, this is sort of hopefully going to be a very well written return to form. So I'll be looking forward to that one. I keep my fingers um, crossed for you. Thank you, mate. Uh, then we got a look at Witchfire, which was this. I, d- I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a um, Western meets fantasy uh, magic sort of mashup yeah that's not a bad way to describe it at all but it looks good the, the gunfight the gunfighting looked cool the um uh combat looked fun but i think from the it doesn't look like there's any going to be anything to grab me particularly um from the outset it just looks like mm. another one of these sort of like fantasy shooty shooty games which i'm sure if you're into you're into <laughs> yeah so I I kind of second that. Like I think the gunplay itself looked good, and like the look, the effects looked great, and it looked impactful, and um, there was a nice you know, variety in terms of the weapons and the design of the weapons and the enemies seemed suitably unique. But there is also something about a trailer that is just kind of like a sequence of first person encounters strung together that doesn't really give you a semblance of what the game is on the whole, um, and kind of broader ideas around potential setting or story and like I, I don't know enough about this game to say how important that is to what they're trying to do or trying to make here but it did kind of leave you feeling like this is the thing that looks cool but i don't know why i should be excited about it yet no um, yeah me either um, but, it, yeah it looks it looks very i don't really want to like throw too many names of games out there but it does look very similar to a whole bunch of games that have come out and have gone and you know and people have said oh yeah it's fine and then it, it just is, is what it is so there you go um, next up, we though we got back to the spacefaring horror because Fort Solace, um, starring uh, Troy Baker and Roger Clark. Yes, Roger Clark. There you go. Uh, the voices of Arthur Morgan from Red Dead Redemption Two, and obviously Troy Baker, the voice from every game ever, um, are have been roped into in this indie game where they are on a sort of an I guess it's a like a forward human um, spacefaring post on a planet. Not quite sure what planet. Um, but there are some definite shenanigans afoot because we get to see somebody sort of go into a 
um, a hab, you know, in the spacesuit, and there's sort of like some bloody handprints and there's um, some dodginess having gone on. Definitely not as scary feeling as uh, Callista Protocol, but maybe more of a horror mystery or a, a thriller. Yeah. I think that there's still some work to be done when it comes to uh, informing all of us as you know potential players as to what the gameplay components here are and how you know they got Troy Baker and Roger Clark out there to talk about the game and they talked about there being you know more action oriented gameplay than than you might believe based on that cinematic but still fundamentally it's a bit of a guessing game but like you said to me at the time when I was I was kind of like a bit dismissive of it because I was like you've just kind of got two dudes here coming out and promising that the game's going to be fun um like but the two dudes are two, uh, for all the jokes we make about them, clearly very talented voice actors who you would hope, and again, I don't know enough about them and their careers and, and how in demand they are, but you'd hope they're two guys that are drawn to good work um, and good writing um, and like would team up with an indie studio like this because there's something about the project that attracted them to it and not just like that they had a gap in their diary and, and, and the, you know, the check was big enough. I know Troy Baker's done some games in the past that haven't been amazing, um, but like this, I, I hope here that the, the I hope the idea here is they brought in these two big heavy hitters because there is a, a lot of meat on the bone in narrative terms, and they just want two guys who they know are going to get stuck in and have the chops. Yeah, and I think um, you know, even though he's been in some ga- um, sort of questionable games, I don't think he's he's never sort of knowingly put his name to a or his voice to a uh, an outright bad game. I think it's often True. a game which is a little bit questionable, but they're always big budget games, and usually I think when things go awry, it seems to yeah. be more like um, maybe a misjudgment with regards to something sure. like Marvel's Avengers, for example, was still a massive budget game which right. just didn't quite hit in the right way. But he um, he also doesn't put in bad performances. Like I love to dunk no. on Troy Baker because I think his per, per, like his character and his demeanor and he the way he presents himself is a, is easy to goof on. But like the dude's damn good at what he does. <laughs> He's phenomenal, which is why it's funny to dunk on him because it's like it's like dunking on someone who is the top of their craft. It makes yeah. it it makes it humorous. Like it, he has the right to be arrogant in a lot of respects because he is. So, he's so in demand he's so good at what he does hey but it still makes it funny when you get to like take the piss occasionally oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but if if it is a game which is going to be relying heavily on like some real caliber voice actors like they've also i think julia brown was another one that they they named in it who's another um uh, uh well-known actress although i have no idea who she is um then i think they maybe are aiming for you know a um a heavily story-led, intriguing kind of game, and if it, it's an indie, it's it's probably going to be more that than maybe something like the Callista Protocol. Um, but I'm all for that. Like, I'm much more likely to be able to play that than some terrifying necromorphy, crawling, <laughs> stomping, whatever game. Um, so You're just we'll giving Chris ideas when you do stuff like this, Jonesy. He's he's plotting and scheming live streams <laughs> with each further game you announce. You have no desire to play. Uh, yes, absolutely. They Speaking then, of which. Jamie, Speaking of which, they then hit us immediately with another game, which I think you at the time said it and you were bang on, looked like Alien Isolation. It was the uh, someone crawling through vents um, and then arming themselves with what looked like a mini sort of rangefinder TV camera thing, uh, looking at an, a, a robot which was sort of mooching around being shady. And then your character got picked up and like by some horrendously f- like looking Five Nights at Freddy's fucked up robot <laughs> weird face yes and i'm like i'm out i'm out alien yeah. isolation messed up five nights at freddy's robot faces and 
them squeezing me to death. I don't want to play that game either. Like, of all the scary games we've talked about so far, this is the one I want to play the least. Because, again, in the Callisto Protocol, as you discussed, there's a gun that they give you that lets you pick these weird zombie aliens up and shoot them into fans and stuff and let them get blown up into a million chunks. All the vibes this was giving me was that pure alien isolation tension of you're completely defenseless, you're sneaking around, you're trying to walk behind these big robots, and if they notice you, they're going to turn around and snap your neck and you will instantly die. And all you can do to help on your journey is like use these weird retro devices with CRT displays that look like they should be like playing a VHS or in some weird other dimension. Um, and how that helps, I don't know, and I don't really want to find out. But it, it's a cool look. It's, it's a very... You know, there are some people out there that are going to be jazzed that, uh, you know, given the lack of an alien isolation follow up, that something like this is happening. Um, they will be, but we had a little bit of a respite from the alien horror because um, the rock. <laughs> well, up. a respite from the alien horror, not necessarily the horror in general. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, yeah, the rock briefly showed up um, on his own phone, pre-recorded with no shirt on in his home gym, <laughs> um, to promote Fortnite. Uh, and also his energy drink and uh, a bit of Black Adam. So we got treated to a, a rock triple threat. <laughs> but yeah, yeah all good. It, it, was, it was almost like the, the, the clause in the contract says like, yeah, the rock will only do a uh, summer game fest segment if he can promote three things in like in 90 seconds. Um, yeah, it, that, it was not, weird. I would like to, if he'd have turned up on the stage and that's when you realize that Jeff Keighley is bigger than the rock and is actually this like absolutely massive dude. It's like the Tom Cruise effect. Like he's just been standing on Apple boxes his whole career and he's actually five foot seven. <laughs> yeah. That would have been hilarious. Imagine um, how wide he'd look. He'd look like the stockiest mother. He'd look like a chode in human form. He, he would look, that would be really strange, wouldn't it? He would, um, yeah, he would be wider than he was tall. Yeah, exactly. Weird. Very strange. Um, then Outriders popped up quickly to uh, show off some World Slayer, uh, which is DLC, which is coming out at the end of the month. Um, Outriders have been putting in a lot of work, um, to be fair to that game. There's, they're often uh, touting new stuff that's coming out, new events and things. Um, something that I really need to get back into is Outriders. I don't know if it's going to happen, but hey. Hey, you may, if, you, if you swing over to PC and this DLC somehow gets added to Game Pass as well, then maybe I'll join you. Otherwise... Might just admire it from a safe distance, <laughs> which isn't a slight on Outriders. Outriders is fine. Um, one thing I think we will be going back to, though, I think we both said it at the time, is Fall Guys, because Fall Guys is going free to play later this month. Um, and I haven't looked at that game in like two years, and I'm interested to see where it's at. New stuff that's going on, any new stupid costumes that are available. Yeah. It's like, it's they funny. Feature- Sorry. Featured a lot of streamers as well. Yeah, they did uh, feature some streamers. There was Saikuno and Valkyrie and Courage JD and all kinds of the all the brand friendly faces that show up at things like these. All the one hundred po- Pokemon wasn't there. Maybe they couldn't afford. Po- see, Poke- no, she, she's not. She's not brand friendly enough anymore. She does, she did uh, content with XQC, so now she's on the blacklist. No, no I don't know. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where, like, the irony about Fall Guys is I remember when we were playing it that summer. Two years ago, um, you know, back in the good old days, early on in the pandemic, when life still seemed like it would be fine for indefinitely, um, and we kept talking about how, like, oh yeah, this is fun. There's a bit of repetition though, and sometimes you get the same opening level, or sometimes you get that honeycomb thing at the final stage, and like, oh, when they've got ten times as many stages and it's all rotated, and you never see the same thing twice. This will be crazy, and they kind of 
it feels like they've been doing more or less that over the course of two years and we've just ignored them. And I kind of feel guilty for that. I feel like I owe it to Fall Guys to go back and have a honest-to-goodness multiplayer session. I agree, and especially with it going free-to-play everywhere, I think there's no excuse to not jump in right, and play exactly. some of that game. It's, yeah. it's one of those... It is, it is still fun to play. Like It is a very fun game. Um, so, yeah, why the hell not? Why the hell? Uh, we then... Um, it was time for some ex-Blizzard employees, who are now called Frost Giant Studios, um, to reveal an RTS that they're making called Stormgate, which was uh, kind of a weird little cinematic that they played um but yeah what did you what was your take yeah weird because it mixed a lot of genres that you don't usually see mixed together it was kind of like you know this uh sci-fi kind of setting and the woman in question appeared to be like an uh, an archaeologist of some kind uh that had like a destiny style ghost that was helping them get this kind of weird old school looking almost medieval looking shield but that clearly had some kind of artifact or talisman that kind of gave it some kind of otherworldly capabilities. And then they were attacked by a weird monster that looked like Diablo from Diablo. It just looked like a big, like weird devil creature. Um, that again, looked right out of like a fancy setting, like, like, like the Balrog, except a little with a bit more skin. Um, and then they were saved by a mech and it was, yeah, it was, it was just a weird mashup of looks and feels. Mash, yeah. Um, but fundamentally, like we said at the time, like we're talking about former Blizzard employees, people who worked on, Starcraft and Warcraft and so on and so forth coming together to make an RTS. Um, it is going to be free to play, but again, until we know exactly how that's going to play out, um, it's not worth getting upset over. I'd be interested to know what Chris has to say about this. He obviously, he was you know on top of things when Frost Giant were first announced. He's got a lot of love for Warcraft particularly. Um, I'd be, I wonder if this gets the seal of approval from him. Um, so. And they, of course, they did mention the fact that it'll be free to play, but it won't have NFTs, which they, <laughs> they obviously want to uh, sort of try and uh, stop anyone speculating. How depressing before. is it that that's the way we've arrived? Like, Don't you worry, to, don't yeah. worry. No NFTs. NFTs seem to have died on their ass anyway recently. They just seem... I, no one's talking about NFTs anymore. Like, No one's got any money for one, so maybe that's part yeah. of the reason. But um, yeah. Apart from when they get that, stolen, that's the only time they make headlines. Right, that is, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, then people aren't that happy or well or even the stolen in the sense that I saw one the other day that someone paid I think it was $50,000 for an NFT and it's now worth 50p Jesus Christ I couldn't live with that I couldn't live with myself like do you know what one of the stupidest things I did lately but I couldn't help myself because of that morbid curiosity is when that you bought an uh, NFT for 50 grand no, no I wish I had the money to be that kind of uh, morbidly curious no this was I'm not going to say more insidious, but it felt weird. It felt voyeuristic in an unpleasant way. But there was that cryptocurrency that maybe about a month or so completely crashed. I know like one, for example, one UK content creator called KSI, like lost like four million pounds or something like that. It just went from like crazy number to crazy high to crazy low overnight. And I was like, I'm going to go on the subreddit. Because I remember looking at the subreddit for things like Dogecoin or whatever, or um, what was it called? Shiba coin or Shiba Inu, whatever right. it was. And just being perplexed at these people who were so endlessly optimistic and convinced that they'd invest in the right thing and convinced that they were going to be millionaires and all they needed was were diamond hands. And if they waited it out, then their life savings and the 10 grand they put into this would one day turn to 10 million. And because they hadn't really been rocked that hard, they were sticking with that optimism. So it was like, what does a subreddit look like when people have lost everything? And the answer is like really depressing and it, it almost read like a like a weird self help subreddit, like people just saying like 
the post titles being like, I've just lost every cent I've ever earned in my life and I don't know what to do with myself. I don't like, I don't like people having to, uh, uh, this is a a dramatic term for the podcast. I apologize, but literally (laughs) like it became like the top comment on every post was like talking people down from killing themselves. It was crazy. Um, Yeah. Uh, And just one of those moments where I was like, I'm glad I never got hooked by any of this because I couldn't imagine that feeling. It's it's interesting because I was, I was just trying to think then. I like for example, like you know where you know when you when you spend real world money on stuff, you know where the value kind of goes and shifts, and you know it goes from like your pocket into Mister Big's pocket who owns a company and da da da. Is is there always someone who profits off the back of like um, a crypto? Or is sometimes is the literally the value does it, the value just go like no one wants it anymore and and no one's buying it no one can sell it and so it just drops off the face of the earth but that money just literally evaporates. I think it happens in a number of different ways. There are definitely situations where there have been you know rug pulls or people with some kind of malicious intent have uh, taken large sums of money out of a coin and so its value has just dropped to nothing. That's right. definitely happened. Um, in the case of this currency, I don't know. I doubt it was that because I believe the creator and the kind of the guy who was the face of the coin was still out there and talking about its ability to bounce back and how this wasn't the end of the world. So I don't really know what caused this, but yeah, um, I'd imagine it's a number of different Brutal. factors. Um, yeah, like really rough stuff. And I guess that's where it kind of get into that weird gray area of like, it's funny to laugh at this shit, but then also sometimes like you just got to feel sorry for people. In and not in a nasty, condescending way, in like a no, everything works out kind of way. Well, I'm sure for some of those people, Jamie, it might have felt like the end of the world, but it may also feel like the end of the world <laughs> if they play High Water because it is a post-apocalyptic adventure strategy game from Demagogue Studios, um, with a very pleasing art style. I will say, um, <sighs> it's, uh, very nicely drawn, has some lovely, yeah, sort of s- saturated colors, but not overly done. Um, I thought this might look like a Jamie game, but you don't seem to think so. Uh, I, I didn't see that many. Depressing. Yeah, like I was saying that I do want to shed a tear every time I play a Jamie game, but I like to shed a tear over, you know, personal moments shared between characters. And it's not so just High Water won't have yeah. those, but it was a little bit more like, I think I said it was too dystopian at the time was the wording I, I used. Did, yes, that was exactly what you said, too dystopian. Um, <laughs> Which could be used to describe sure even, the- you know, life at present at times, but yeah. Yeah, well, I, I can't remember what the what they even said. Is, is it like a uh, an adventure? Um, I, don't, I mean, what it would adventure been. strategy game is, I think, they kind of the 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 boilerplate. But then there wasn't that much that could be gleaned from that trailer alone as to no. how that might actually play out. No, not much at all. Um, we, as we said earlier, there was going to be a trailer for replaced uh, in the show, but um, Jeff Keighley did reference the fact that because. Um, the conflict within Ukraine that there was no uh, trailer, but hopefully we'll see that at some point. Because I mean, replaced is one that I was really looking forward to and was hoping to see something for. I guess you could say that slot in the show was replaced. Replaced. Do you get it? Because yeah, that's the name I, of the game. I I do get it. Um, but we didn't get to see that. We did get to see something else that was very cool because American American geez, I can't even say it. American Arcadia, <laughs> um, which was an indie game. Um, that sort of showcased an almost Truman Show-esque story where uh, it seems like an average guy is stuck in a, um, I guess, supposed to be utopia, but then 
it's not everything that it seems and he has to maybe escape the environment he's in and he's getting help from the outside world. Um, we were treated to a trailer for that and it looked like a very interesting sort of like mystery adventure game where you're going to have to solve what the hell is going on, who the bad people are who are after you and how the hell you get out of there. Um, yeah, looked looked very cool. Looks like, like definitely like mm. something I'd like to, uh, I'd like to play when at first I thought this looked really weird and crap. <laughs> Yes, well, the, yeah, that when you see that art style and that name, you're like, "Where's this going?" Although I'll be honest, Jonesy, I'm far more interested not in the game, but in you pronouncing it American every time you say the word <laughs> American for the rest of your life, ladies and gentlemen, American Arcadia. But yeah, no, the, the reference I remember making at the time was was We Happy Few, not necessarily because right. there are that many um, sort of like parallel lines that could be like or lines that could be drawn when it comes to the actual look and aesthetic. The aesthetic is very different here. But We Happy Few was that kind of idea of like, oh, here's a very idyllic setting that, and it quickly becomes clear that not all is as it seems, um, yes. and that appears to be the case in this. Which you know, that's a that's always a very intriguing premise for an adventure game, and you know, this kind of looked like it had that sort of like inside um kind of like 3d but to like side scrolling adventure game kind of aesthetic and i'm sure there's some fun to be had in that yes and it, it's definitely like one where you start off and everything's rosy and then gradually it descends into some sort of depressing hellscape by the end but um, yes i'm all i'm all in for that because uh it's not when it's like when you can see it from the side aspect it's not quite as terrifying it's just when it's like third person. Ooh, sometimes it's even prettier. Like what, like the artful escape, like that kind of thing. Like yes. you can do wonderful things with a side-scrolling game if you set your mind to it. What a quality game that was. Um, you spotted this. Uh, um, I was very impressed with um, your recollections uh, because Goat Simulator 3, <laughs> I said that right, it is yeah. called Goat Simulator 3, um, is going to be coming out and they showcased it with a cinematic trailer um, which was done in the style of uh, Dead Island, the Dead Island 2 trailer, where the dad's running along the beach and you have sort of like the undead and ripping people apart and people aren't, and he doesn't notice um, until sort of right at the end. And I think they start trying to like grab at him. But this was sort of goats causing havoc behind a guy sort of happily running along the promenade. Um, but yeah, um, I have never played Goat Simulator and I do feel like I'm missing out. And this did make me want to play Goat Simulator 3. Yes, which is great because like uh, the amount of double takes I did during this because I was like, well, hang on a second, like this is a trailer for something new. It's riffing on Dead Island Two, which in itself is like a bizarrely deep cut. I, I don't know how many people out there that are still around and still watching. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of people that recognised it immediately, but it's it's still like it's an odd choice. And it then, is. but then I was like, well, Dead Island Two still a thing? Surely they haven't, you know, revised the art style this drastically surely it can't look like this and then it's it was a, a mobile game <laughs> right exactly and then it was all of a sudden it was a goat simulator game then i thought i'd completely forgotten that goat simulator 2 existed then i found out the joke was so this was a real head fuck of a trailer but i'm all for it like the goat i feel like i've had my fill when it comes to goats doing dumb shit and ragdoll physics being applied as a result of the dumb shit that you do but if they have cool ideas for like how they can take that stuff to the next level, then more power to them. And this was a fun trailer. I like, I laughed out loud during this trailer when I realized what was going on. So that's something, right? Yeah, no, no, it, it was a very good trailer. I think it, it did exactly what it wanted to do, which was good. Um, a trailer which wasn't so good, and I'll say only because they needed to show more of the game and how impressive it's going to be, was Marvel's Midnight Suns, which was um, we just got uh, treated to another cinematic trailer where they showed off 
more Marvel characters being evil and more Marvel characters See, being not evil. So. I'm going to disagree because this actually ticked two of the three boxes on Jamie's checklist for a good video, and that is right. um, Metallica and the uh, Marvel character Blade. There you go. Blade and, and Metallica equals good trailer. Yeah, exactly. It didn't take the third box, but it's it's difficult. I get it. You know, they you know, it's the internet. Like, it's See, it like prominently featured Venom, which is usually something which would tick a box for me. But because yeah. I was I was surprised. Um, I wasn't that enamoured with um, how Midnight Suns looked the last time we got to see something, and apparently a lot of other people weren't either. Um, and so I think they had to do a little bit more to sort of show this game off. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, not sorry. I was going to say, they've, kind of, they've just kind of not done that. Well, I, I, I would say from this. I think but then maybe come... that's because they're making it better behind the scenes. Yeah, like the, the, my, my feeling is like the smoke on the streets for this one was that people were really excited when it was announced that Firaxis were making a game with Marvel characters. And then we got that gameplay demo and we got a bit of a look at how they're actually making this game work. And there was like a card system and people weren't super hot on it because the idea of a Marvel XCOM sounds amazing. And when you find out that it's actually not that XCOM-y, people are like, huh, I'm less hyped for this. And so the the vibe I got was that they kind of went back to the drawing board a little bit, not necessarily on the game itself. I think there was always a certain amount of confidence in the product, but at least how they were presenting it and how they were communicating with uh, players with regards to what was going on. I see this as kind of like the reintroduction trailer. Like, hey, remember Marvel's Midnight Suns? Here it is. Here are a bunch of the characters we've got, um, and it's out in four months. I would be very surprised if we don't see this again um, by the end of summer uh, with some kind of extended look at gameplay and kind of a, a different angle on sort of what was missing the last time we saw it. Yes. Um, no, which is fair, which is fair. So maybe I'm just being a little bit mean to them. Um, but then we got to see something which I am much more excited about, which is Cuphead, the, delici- the delicious last course, difficult to say, uh, which is coming out at the end of the month, which is DLC for Cuphead. Um, but I think some people have already said that this m- you know, may feel a bit more like, um, you know, almost like a semi-sequel, um, depending on how much new content you get. There's a new character as well, isn't there? Mr. Chalice? Yeah, some, it's something like that. I forget, I forget her name exactly, but yeah. Is it Cuphead, Mugman and Miss Chalice. So there you go. That makes so, sense. Uh, getting a full... Full complement of people in there. We got to see a little bit of boss fight um, where I think it was Miss Chalice was fighting um, the snowflake, some some sort of snowy snowy thing. Oh, that person from the internet. <laughs> yeah, the person from the internet. Yeah, it was it was a snowflake and a fridge. I think if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, but again, that game looks for fantastic. Cuphead always does, um, and they've obviously been hard at work drawing those amazing illustrations um, and creating some more intolerable levels of Cuphead where you're just going to die repetitively again and again and again but the whole time thinking my god this is an attractive game that looks like a yeah. cartoon damn like i don't really want to be doing this boss for the 15th time but i need to do this boss for the 15th time in order to keep looking at this video game and that's what i want to do right now <laughs> i want to look at the next level but to do yeah. that i've got to kill this goddamn fridge and this stupid snowflake so yeah go um cuphead's awesome though cuphead. cuphead was awesome there is I almost came out with a really hot, spicy take about Cuphead for a second there. Go on. I don't know whether or not to do it. Okay. There is a part of me that thinks that for as good as Cuphead is and for as much of a winning formula as they found with that first game, that there is a sort of a a feeling of somewhat diminishing returns. And the fact that it has been like fucking four years or whatever, and we're waiting for DLC 
for Cuphead or like we what we're going to be playing the previous gen version of Cuphead in backwards compatibility mode like for this brand new DLC that was a, like has been in development for 4 years or was announced 2 or 3 years ago it just kind of seems like i've got so much admiration for this game's look and its style um and so much admiration for the clearly immeasurable amount of work that goes into making it possible but it also just feels like at some point like like you made your piece de resistance you like you made you you made Cuphead like, did you really right. need to spend the next four years making more Cuphead when it just looks like Cuphead? I um, almost, I must think it would have been. I don't know how much more they would work they'd had to have done, but just make the sequel at this point. Like, you know how to make Cuphead. You're going to make more Cuphead. All you have to do is do more drawings. You've already introduced another character. Just wait another year. Right, make it a full game. Like what? Like what? A Cuphead t- at this point, a Cuphead two is a twenty twenty six game, like based which on is, these standards. It, which is so odd. I mean, the problem Cuphead has is because I think because of the sim- how simple it looks, or how retro I should say it looks, and uh, you know how they've nailed the gameplay loop. You'd think that it would just be a matter of just designing new levels and designing new bosses, and it can't be that difficult, and just get someone to draw the pictures. But mm. I guess that the way that they make it, it just takes a hell of a long time to make yeah and another equally kind of like short-sighted a take because i know it's never as one-to-one as this that i've got is that like when i look at a team that can make something as remarkable as cuphead was and still is there's also going to be that voice in my head that says what else can they do and when they make more right. cuphead we don't get an answer to that question and i but, don't get me wrong i know it's never as simple as that um but yeah it's still one of those things See, it's funny because I don't, I don't go that angle, that route with them because I almost think like, if your skill set is this kind of art and this kind of gameplay, but what if they applied, what if they played that kind of art to something you, completely different, like a completely different genre and a completely new set of characters? And I don't, I don't know, know if it would work. Maybe it would. It doesn't have to be a two D platformer shooter. Like it could be. I think anything. it does. I think it does have to be a two D platformer. No, okay. no, of course. What if it was a two D beat 'em up? Oh, that would be weird. See, I've just blown your mind. Again, 2D. Everything's got to be 2D. If it's a 2D, like, like mystery adventure game where you've got to like walk around and solve yeah. stuff. <clears throat> a Sam and Max game. If they went and made a really cool, like old school Sam sure. and Max game. Or like, 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 like with a Paper Mario style kind of like, you know, big, you know, big elaborate scenes and, um, you know. All right, you've got me. Exploration. Doing other stuff as well. Maybe that's why they've, they've only done the DLC in four years because they're working on something else. Um, next up, we got to see some uh, Neon White, um, which is going to be coming out next week on PC and on Switch, which is the kind of weird runner shooter where you use cards and you don't even have the uh, illustrations and animations of the weapons. You just have like a reticle on screen. I, this for me is a really un- unknown quantity. It could be wicked to play and it looks like it might be a lot of fun, but... I don't know if I can get past the fact that they've gone, let's just get rid of the pretense of having weapons. Let's just have a reticle. Yeah. Which it, is weird. Yeah. It's a HUD. It's just a HUD. It's just a camera and a HUD. It is It is really bizarre. I, I, it, for me, it's this total conflict between loving the kind of the overall aesthetic, not really digging that one design choice or style choice that you just expressed, also kind of being cool and down for the kind of the level speed runny based design that I hope would have like a hotline mammy style, really fast restart, everything moving quickly, like million miles per hour style gameplay that could be awesome. But at the same time, like what if that's frustr- what if that's frustrating and if it doesn't feel quite like how you'd like it to, then that's a real miss. And also like 
this is the new game from, I mean, there's a whole team around him now, but uh, Ben Esposito, who uh, made uh, that one of the games that has divided you and I the most in our time uh, working together, which is Donut County. Oh, and like, oh, how do you go? Yeah, yeah, how do you go oh. from Donut County to this? I, I kind of don't know, but that's it's fascinating. One game's a big hole. Maybe the second one will be as well. Donut County's well, a great game. Donut we'll County's a very, very good video game. We'll have to wait and see. Um, one that I think we are in agreement about, though, is Midnight Fight Express, which was in development by one dude um, in Poland. <sighs> God. Um, and he has branched out a little bit. He's got a few other people to help now, but, uh, I think just to finish the game off. But it is this um, uh, fighting... Um, I don't even know. Like what it, lo- it looks like a one man's adventure through a city where he's got to beat the crap out of everyone, shoot stuff, break stuff, find stuff, do shit, and it's got a very pleasing uh, sort of like. Is it? I, I didn't even. Is it isometric? I don't. I don't even think it is. I yeah. can't even remember from like having looked at it. Kind um, of like it's got yeah, a very it's pleasing art style. It's a bit Hotline Miami. It's a bit. Um, oh god, I don't even know. It's I'm, yeah. It's fucking cool, is what it is. Yeah, the the game I keep thinking of every time I see this is uh, my friend Pedro. And right. I, I again like my. I think my friend Pedro was a totally fine like seven out of ten game, but like the thing that the, the the stronger components within that seven were the fact that the cool shit that we saw in those trailers did mostly translate well into cool shit to play. And I think yes. if uh, Midnight Fight Express nails that part of things, like if the melee combat looks as fun and as fluid as it does in these trailers, and um, then, as far as I'm concerned, all the other wacky nonsense that's going on could be even middling. Um, and as long as it's kind of got that feel, um, then then I'm then I'm down to give this a go. Yeah, it's being published by Humble Games, and it will be on Game Pass as well when it gets released. Um, and it is out on August 23rd, so we don't even have to wait that long for it. Which yeah, is pretty sick. Uh, then the game that never dies it is Warframe, um, <laughs> which is dropping some DLC. Um, Duviri Paradox, I can't even say it, which is coming out. Um, I don't even know. We haven't. I haven't got a date. Uh, yes, but Warframe's coming out, and they are doing a number of drops, I think, on Twitch and things over the next uh, coming weeks. So if you are into Warframe, make sure you stick around for some of those streams because you can check out. Someone, We're not doing them on Twitch. So yeah, someone has to be into Warframe. Go <laughs> find them. Find the Twitch drop, drops, and you'll get like a, a hat, a hood. A scarf, maybe a bag. No, a in Warframe, you, the Warframes are the equipable things. Like Warframes, like oh, different, right. like weird suits that they wear. I think. So you oh, actually. I thought, wore, like, I thought they were like war. I thought like mechs. No, like mechs. like they're like a weird race of aliens, and you you physically put on a different Warframe. I think physically oh, right. equip a I've, different Warframe. If you couldn't tell, I've never played Warframe. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're into it, you're into it. Um, uh, so yeah then we had next the uh, team behind Genshin Impact um, Honkai Star Rail um, which was very anime but hey that's nothing to criticise just because I'm I know nothing about <laughs> about yeah. anime at all um, it looked wicked the art the, looks fantastic from an art perspective as you would expect from an anime game I'm not really sure what else is going on here to be honest no, and they also showed uh, Zenless Zone Zero. It all seemed to be part of the same kind of segment, and I think it's all from the same team. And it was yes, yeah, I think it's Hoi. Hoi, Hoi I, sh- I should know because I've played Genshin Impact and I've seen that logo, but I can never remember. Um, it's 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 something quirky. Um, I remember, 
Um, but like, yeah, I was watching this whole segment. I was like, there's pretty things going on here. And certainly the combat in the um, Zenless Zone Zero portion of the the, the demonstration like looked like really tight and had some great, you know, uh, effects going on that looked weighty. Um, I, and I'm sure given that this is the crew behind Genshin Impact, that there will be good things to be found here. But I do sometimes, especially two-thirds of the way through a Jeff Keighley two-hour masterclass, there is one of those things where, like, you're lagging a little bit, and then the anime kicks in. You're just like, all right, come on. You know, there's going to be a big finish. You just stay with this. And this was kind of that part of the show for me, with no right. disrespect intended whatsoever to to the this pair of titles or any of the other titles coming up. But this was this is where this was the dip for me in Summer Game Fest. This and maybe the next like four or five uh, titles were were the dip. I think that's fair. But then at the same time, like I suppose, I suppose it's good to have a dip sometimes to give you a bit of a lull so you can get excited again. So yeah, yeah. Um, I will say like I, I Zenith Zone Zero. I, I agree. The combat for that looked fluid, fast, phenomenal. Um, I think it was Hoyverse um, is the uh, the company. Uh, dropping both of those titles but next up from combat amazing combat to even more amazing combat because um, we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge um, which uh, touted some six player um, sort of mass brawling between the uh, Bebop Rocksteady the Foot Clan lots of side scrolling Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fighting this is you all over mate it looked wicked come on it looked really good it's coming out next week. It's on Game Casey Pass. Casey Jones. Like, it literally, I feel like it couldn't have ticked more boxes for you. Yeah, this is my childhood in a video game. Like, you know, we've been through this so many times. <laughs> I'm not even going to try it. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm going to hop on that as soon as it gets to Game Pass. Oh, yeah. It's been like a few years that people have been talking about this game for, so it's about bloody time it came out. Is there online multiplayer? Because uh, if there is, I, I might just jump in. I'll be like... Donatello or whoever I'll be the least popular turtle I've already established that I don't know be Donatello is he cool he, I'm he's not, my guy I don't know anything about any of these uh, dudes so like Raphael is cool Leonardo Leonardo leads Raphael is cool Donatello does machines Michelangelo is one cool dude um, that's the these are the worst catchphrases I've ever heard in my there life there must be online multiplayer because it is across uh like, how would you play locally on Game Pass if it's got six players? Get the multi-tap out. Six PS2 controllers. Come on, Jonesy, get with the, <laughs> the time. Sap. That was what it was That's called, amazing. right? The multi-tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was, it um, was. Six-player online and local multiplayer. So, yes. Oh, mate, we're all like over it. it. There we go. Yeah. We can play. It'll be good. Um, Super People was a very strange <laughs> game that we we're going to gloss over because I've got no idea what the hell was going on. There was lots of Britishness and shooting. Um, yeah. Yeah. They threw, they threw a 10p coin on the table. It's it's pubg and it's a bit, I guess, Fortnite-y in some ways. They've tried to add it, a bit of that Fortnite a, funk. I, th- I think it's like pubg with maybe some Overwatch funk as well. Like, I think different characters have skills, but at the same time, like, you're playing PUBG. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then Humankind is coming to consoles, so quickly moving on. Uh, <laughs> One Piece Odyssey... Uh, it's a brand new RPG uh, inspired by the um, the anime One Piece. We uh, streamed it once, actually. The another One Piece game with the stretchy pirate boy Luffy. Luffy, what's his name? Luffy. Luffy. There are some people Luffy. like getting really annoyed at us right now for not knowing, but at least we uh, kind of at least we're in the ballpark, right? Like we get brownie points for that, surely. Hopefully, um, this was a, a reasonably sizable trailer actually for an anime style game, but it was. Um, 
we didn't actually see much gameplay so if you're into one piece get excited because you've got a new one piece game coming out that you can play then we had a bit of soul hackers 2 Sorry, I'm, I'm caught up on trying to make a one. I, I thought I had a like a one piece joke ready, and then I got hung up on like trying to make it before you moved on. I ran out of time. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry. No, it was like I, I was going to say something really fun. Like I haven't gone on a one piece odyssey since I last bought a cake. <laughs> but then I was okay. like, but then I was like, I can workshop this. This can be better. There is room for improvement here. I, and and then, I just skated too too quickly over one. Yeah, piece and then I was so. like, well, what, how how many joke like cake jokes can I make about soul hackers? None. Um, soul hackers, of course. If you didn't know, because I would have no idea, is another anime game. Um, soul hackers too. So get excited for that. Then Metal Hell Singer um, was one was a, a bit weird. I'm not. I'm just going to say, Jamie, this was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? And I'm going to be crap it. I can tell you that now. Yeah, like, so there was an indie game from a few years ago that used the exact same concept, which is like, hey, what if you had to play a first-person shooter to the beat, kind of like Crypt to the Necro Dancer? And this is kind of taking that in whole, a bunch of different directions. Firstly, by obviously taking a lot of inspiration from the recent Doom games, and then by um, applying it to the... Uh, appropriately satanic music genre of metal um, and roping in a lot of famous faces and names from the world of metal music along the way, like Serge Tankian's involved in some way. Um, Like, I guess for me, the reason that this is a bit of a middling um, game based on my, you know, just early feelings on it and watching these trailers and a few gameplay snippets that were released a couple of weeks ago is because one... I, I, again, like without sounding harsh, and I know we're talking about different studios, different budgets, but the gameplay does look a little bit just like a low rent Doom, and it's like I could there's there's more Doom out there that I haven't played. Like you got to really make a case for me, and the case it made for me was this rhythmic action that is all driven by metal music. And like I said to you at the time, metal music for me is really hit or miss, and there are a lot of metal acts and artists and songs and albums out there that I g- genuinely have liked over the years, but there is that also kind of like really middle ground generic metal that I thought like was present in this trailer. Again, I, I hope apologies to anyone thinks that's me firing shots, but like there was nothing about the music that they used in this trailer that made me go, Oh my God, I, I like, this is the perfect combination of, of, of ideas. It just felt yeah. a bit weird. Do you really want to get screamed at by some middling metal? Like I'll, I'll get screamed at by Serge Tankian, but the, the person, <laughs> the person, in the trailer, like maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a it was it was a bit of an interesting weird one. I like the idea, I like the concept, but um, I suppose yeah, we'll have to see how it actually works in execution. But then I think this was probably the end of a of the bit of a dip, and then we got you know then we got back to some games which are a little bit more um, uh, a little bit more exciting. Well, it depends, I suppose, how you feel about the next one because the quarry, which is out tomorrow, um, which is uh, very much in the style of until dawn, supermassive games until dawn. Thank you. Um, which is a uh, actor cast led story horror will they survive the night um, kind of title, which like I said, is coming out tomorrow, but it did have an all-star cast and we sort of were spotting as we were going along with the different people that we recognized were going in because the character models are also very good. Um, I'll give you a few of the people who are in it. If you want David Arquette um, from Courtney Cox. From eight legged freaks, bro. Come on. Eight legged freaks. And, um, also, Scream, of course, of course. How that's the one I was trying to think of. He plays Officer Dewey. I think his name's Officer Dewey in Scream. I don't know. I've never um, seen a Scream film. Shock. What? I know. Didn't even the first that. one. That even shocking. the first one. 
Uh, Skylar uh, Gizondo, who is, um, he's in the Santa Clarita Diet, which is actually very good if you haven't seen it. Maybe check that out. He's also in um, The Amazing Spider-Man. Ted Raimi is in it. Halston Sage, Brenda Song, Zach Tinker, Ariel Winter, Evan Avagora, and Lance Henriksen. Now I'm bored, so I'm going to stop giving you... See, it's one of those lists, and people who've seen any you know promotional material for The Quarry or are going to play The Quarry will know this already. They just sound like a list of names that you don't recognize, and then you go and play the game, or you just watch one of these trailers, and you're like, oh, wasn't that person that character in this film? And the answer's probably yes. Like, oh, wasn't that person the girlfriend of the guy from the social network? Like, yeah. And like, oh, wasn't that guy the dude from Detective Pikachu? And like, yeah. It was. Yeah, it's it's all of these people. All of these people. They're, yeah. um, I guess you could, well, they're often secondary characters. I guess that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like, they did it with uh, in Until Dawn, where, like, that was a, um, uh, it had, Until Dawn, for example, had, like, a very early role for Rami Malik. Like, not many people right. remember that. And um, also had the chick from uh, Heroes. I always forget her name. She married the uh, the boxer. Aiden Panettiere? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like it was that kind thank of you, casting. Thank you very much. Um, then I'm going to try and I won't rattle through them because we need to talk about them, but I will try not to linger too much. Um, we then had the, uh, Saints Row, um, character creator, the uh, boss, what do they even call it? It's not builder boss. It's that's still on the nose. I think you might be right. Is it? Come on. Saints Row. They love on the nose. What are you on about? No, it's boss factory. Boss factory. You can download boss factory now. So you can design your boss character. I think they were a little bit worried um, after the reaction that some people had to the first trailer where people were worried that you were going to be forced to play as you know, a certain character or you're going to be forced to do it a certain way. And they're sort of allaying those fears by going, no, build your boss now. The game's not even out. Download it. Build the boss. Yeah. Have fun. You can be whoever the hell you want. Yeah. Forget, for, Please forget that we chose a female woman of colour for all our promotional materials and create your own boss now. Yes, it was almost like the V thing with Cyberpunk. Everyone was like, what is... Can, oh, I can choose V. I thought V was a girl. And they're like... Wow. Or no, V was a guy. And then they were like, no, you can be a girl V. You can be a this V. You can be that V. Be the, be the boss you want to be. That's what Saints Row are trying to tell you. The ironic thing is about a bunch of those games that have given you the choice but have picked uh, women for the promotional materials is being the women is usually the best version of those games. Like Assassin's Creed Odyssey was 100% one of those where I can't even remember the dude's name in that game, but he was a fucking doofus. I'm trying to think. I can't remember his name either. They were twins, weren't they? Uh Yeah. Alexios and Cassandra. Ah, uh, that was it. I was Alexios. Uh, of course, I had to be. Yeah, Alexios, Alexios was, uh, he was just a bit dense. That's all. Alexios! Yeah, but then you, you like you like big, dense men. I know that about you. That's why you hang <laughs> out with true. me. That's true. Talking of big, dense men, Warhammer 40,000 Dark Tide looked epic. It did look good. I was glad to yes. see some like gameplay snippets, and boy, did that look uh, crunchy and impactful, and like, like I, I wanted to kill those things. You're talking. We're talking multiplayer. We're talking online. We're talking get making a team with your mates, going and destroying waves and waves of enemies that attack you in the style of Warhammer 40k, um, and it looked wicked. And the character models looked great. There was a um, uh, one of the ones that stood out to me was that one of the characters on your team is this massive troll dude looking thing, um, and he's just smashing people left and right of a giant mallet. Uh, yeah, and it, obviously you've got different classes of characters and you're going to have to go and perform missions in all different areas and then get run over by uh, huge hordes of enemies. And it, yeah, it looks sick. It looked wicked. Um, it and I've been excited for that game since I first saw it. And I couldn't remember that it was that game until Jamie reminded me. So there you go. And we, I think we already said, didn't we, that if, that's, um, if there's an 
we're going to have to hop on and play some of that when it drops. Absolutely. I, I think that's a Game Pass one. Um, so, you know again, I'll like... try and check. I'm, I feel like it is because I think, it, again, that they did some kind of deal with Xbox, which is why it was an Xbox showcase to begin with. And I, they, I think they've got console exclusivity. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. But, yeah, there were all kinds of... There were, you know... Lot reminiscent of um, lots of different things here, like you said, lots of Left 4 Dead, some GTFO, some. Um, we we actually ended up even bringing up a, a deep a Deep Rock Galactic while we were watching that trailer yes. for one. Like, yeah, uh, it, it was rad. Uh, yes, Game Pass. There you go. There's money in my fucking pocket. Um, then we had some layer the the, the game, which is hard to say, layers of fears. Because Bloober Team still want to scare the absolute living crap out of you, um, which is coming out in late 2023. Not late 2023, I think I made that up, which is coming out in 2023. Um, yeah, more. So if you liked Layers, Layer of Fear, and you'll love Layers Layer, of Fear. No, I think it was Layers of Fear. I think it, it Layers of Fear? I think it's Layers of Fear. Layer I think it was Layers of Fear, Layers of Fear 2, Layers of Fears. It's a, it's a bizarre progression. Um, but you know what they? They're no, you're right. It, it was it was layers of fear, layers of fear, and now it's layers of fears. Yeah, what, yeah exactly. But I, but again, I love that layers of fears isn't even a sequel to layers of fear because there was layers of fear too. So they established that they were willing to go the numbering route. Now they're going the S route, which I guess worked for aliens, but I don't know how well it's going to work here. I, I've like enjoyed Bloober Team's previous games, uh, usually in a very short term capacity, often for streaming, like. Um, the uh, the Blair Witch game they made was again fun for some streaming. Uh, Lesavir two, I think Steph and I did that back on ATG. So, but I understand from like more hardcore horror enthusiasts that sometimes Bluebird team have been a bit hit and miss over you know in, in terms of the actual substance of their games. Um, and I'm curious to see how this pans out, and also especially curious to see Bluebird team out here promoting a game in the midst of all this Silent Hill chatter that they are allegedly involved with, and yet no sight of anything Silent Hill related. Um, Indeed. One state of play, and a Summer Game Fest down, and Silent Hill fans are still blue balls. They're going to keep it to as late as humanly possible. That's why they're going to just keep keep it. Yeah, never. <laughs> never indeed um layers of fears of course was one that's on unreal engine 5 which i, th- I don't think too many of the games um tonight were on that but um, true or at least they're not hey, promoting it as much as blue Batima. Right. well that that's true yeah they're not saying they're not shouting as though that's the uh the one and only thing um gotham knights did have a bit of a cheeky little trailer but it was just some cinematics about nightwing we didn't get to see any more uh gameplay footage of that but it is it's i i maybe partly thought it's because um, of the slightly negative reaction that the gameplay trailer, or well, not trailer, was it? It was it was just gameplay footage of Red Hood um, and Robin. Was it? I think it was in that that we got to see a little while. I ago. thought it was. Was it not Nightwing as well? Oh, was it Night? Oh, no, maybe I think you're right. Actually, I think it was. Well, I don't think Nightwing we've seen Robin or the chick yet, and under any real spotlight. I forget who, who. What is who is she? Is she Batgirl? Batgirl. I think she's Batgirl. right. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, but we, yeah. interesting one. We've seen a lot of Gotham Knights up to this point, and then the last thing we saw, yeah, was a little bit. I'm not going to say concerning, just a little. Uh, maybe gave a few more questions about what, how the game is actually going to play, how it's going to feel, totally, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there is plenty of space for that game to be bloody brilliant. So I'm not going to be too down on it, even though recently I have been down on it. In a yes, of- fundamentally, we still want it to be good. We'll just, you know, we'll see what happens. 
We didn't really learn anything else, though, did we? It was just no, a quick cinematic no. that showed us um, a bit of a bit of Nightwing, which I think is a safe move, like you said at this stage. Let the let that gameplay demo cool off, and then see where you're at. Uh, no, absolutely. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, we then got, I suppose, the creme de la creme, the piece de la resistance, a cheeky little uh, ending with Neil Druckmann because he joined um, he joined Keeley on stage uh, to talk about a few of Naughty Dog esque things. Um, one of them leaked, unfortunately, uh, just before the show. Which yeah, bummer. The big finish as well. PlayStation um, actually leaked the fact before that they are remaking uh, The Last of Us, which, from the ground up, I should say, um, for the PlayStation 5. Um, but we already knew about it. Yes, in fact, we were discussing before that you actually <laughs> thought that it was like 100% confirmed and real. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think. I no. I thought we just hadn't seen it. I didn't realize that the leak was like a leak. I thought it was like a. Well, you just haven't seen it yet. But no, you reminded me that actually they've never confirmed this, and yeah, the PlayStation no. ruined it right before the show. This was uh, a, a, a long series of kind of not not even leaks. It was kind of more reporting. Like a lot of it came out of Jason Schreier and Bloomberg, which again is nowadays a pretty reliable source for this stuff. They were talking about how there was that weird. Do you remember all that story back in this is over a year ago, probably at this stage? There was that like weird, it was that PlayStation studio that would just help out on various projects and do like they would ex- were really good at uh, cinematic things and they would like you know jump on and, and do very and help out with various sequences of various mm-hmm. games. And then they were given uh, kind of the green light to do their own game and they started doing a ground up remake of Uncharted and they pitched it to PlayStation. PlayStation were like, no, we're not interested in this. And then they were pivoted onto a ground-up remake of The Last of Us because it seemed to make more sense, more sense based on what PlayStation wanted and like what would fit into their calendar. Um, and then over time, it got taken away from them and got brought back to Naughty Dog because after The Last of Us Part Two, there were a large number of people at Naughty Dog who didn't have anything to do. And so this is essentially what they have been doing ever since. They were called like the the PlayStation Digital Arts Agency or something. They had some weird like corporate name like that. Um, it was that whole series of stories that Jason Schreier, I think, broke um, or at least reported on. And now here we are. It's real. It's coming out in September. And it's called The Last of Us Part One now. Yes, they, yeah, they've, the addition of the Part One. Um, and one thing I think was funny when we were actually watching it back was because uh, I, I said at the time, it doesn't even, like, I've rebuilt it from the ground up for the PlayStation 5, but it doesn't look any different. Like it, it basically looks the same as I remember it. And they then, as if they could read my mind <laughs> before I'd even said it, they'd included in uh, the trailer, like the side-by-side comparison, to show you how they have actually changed and how different it looks. And I think the problem was, it looks more like The Last of Us Part Two, so, And that's obviously the most recent game, especially in my mind. Um, and it, do- it is it is a um, a complete ground-up remake, and it does look very impressive. Um, yeah. And I can't wait to see those characters and in that whole uh, game again um, for the PlayStation Same. 5. And like you said, coming out in September, not very long. Um perfect sort of game I suppose to pick up before that sort of holiday season goes a bit mental and you can sort of tuck it away um, before the uh, holidays of, uh, of 2022 why the hell not um, but wasn't just The Last of Us Part 1 remake that um, Druckmann was there to talk about because he was also going to talk about the uh, the TV show the HBO remake that's getting remake the HBO TV show that's getting made at the moment um, and Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson joined on stage because they Jamie are going to be in the TV show, but we don't know in what capacity. Yeah. It, I thought that was, like, 
you were saying at the time that it made sense. My first reaction to it was like, huh, that's weird. And as someone who knows who they are, that's going to be distracting depending on how big a role they have. I think they also confirmed that they are roles that exist within the game at present. So like, well, yeah, maybe actually that would be a good fun twist, but then I, I, I don't know. Yeah. For, for me, it will be strange, especially as you made the observation at the time that Ashley Johnson's voice is just Ellie's voice, like pure and simple. <laughs> yeah. And so like, if we're just there and there's a side character with lines of dialogue, who's just Ellie, that will be a moment for me where I'm like completely sucked out of that experience and hyper aware of who they are. But other than that, it's a nice gesture and they're clearly very talented performers. And, you know, if someone can, you know, you have actors like that nowadays that are doing um, not just vo- vocal performances, but also doing performance capture and giving these unbelievable performances. Why not have that acknowledged in, in a format that a lot of them don't traditionally get to make the jump to, like prestige television? So more power to him. No, absolutely. Um, and the reason I've done the little announcements from uh, This Way Round from Naughty Dog is because by far the most exciting thing that Neil Druckmann was there to talk about, I think, um, was the fact that the multiplayer um, portion of The Last of Us Part 2, which was obviously announced before the game was coming out and was then seemingly delayed and was then sort of um, pushed again because I thought we thought we were going to see it this year, um, we're apparently not going to hear more about until next year, until, until 2023, but we had confirmation today that that is actually have been it's been peeled off and is a standalone multiplayer game, which is a lot bigger in scope than anything we'd actually expected um, when it was going to be attached to uh, The Last of Us Part Two itself. Um, we got to see some concept art for it, not much else, but it seems to be. Oh, they've said as well that it's um, got its own story, it's got its own characters. There's going to be it's a lot bigger, so the world's going to yeah. be a lot bigger. It's um, also, I think, set in a completely different part of America to anywhere that the the games are set at the moment. So, which is one I think is one of the most exciting things that could have come out um, of. Like the whole of today, I think the whole of the uh, the show itself. Like this is a really cool thing. Effectively, we're getting a um, a spin off, really, of the yeah. Last of Us, which is pretty wicked. Yeah, it, it, you know, it it, it makes sense. Um, there was a, there's a lot of appetite for this. I think Naughty Dog showed with the original Last of Us, and you know this firsthand, having played so much of it, that like they're capable of making a really cool, interesting, and ultimately different to a lot of what's out there multiplayer component that makes sense within the, the the universe that the last of us has established. I think, yes, we've waited a little, waited a little bit of time, but rolling it out into its own standalone thing as they have done, let's it kind of stand its own two feet, especially if it's like, maybe it's free to play or if they like roll it in with like, if it's free as a part of like a last of us two director's cut or however they want to make this kind of thing work. We'll find out. Um, I think there's a real opportunity here to make something kind of cool. Um, and, and I, and I hope they, Follow through on that. Uh, can I have a get? Can I have a punt? Yes. I think it might be some kind of battle royale. That's totally plausible. I I'd, I'd like to think that Naughty Dog would make do a twist on it rather than just I'd, like. I think twist. I don't think straight battle royale. But so it's if I think of my experiences with the the um, multiplayer from the Last of Us uh, Part One or you know Last of Us. Um, the sorts of things that you're doing in that environment, it's all about sneaking, not being found by like the other human players, um, using traps and things to actually distract, injure, or um, do over um, those players. And it is about finding resources in the environment. Um, and so it is very much in keeping with you know um, what? What, we've, what we've grown to expect with battle point. royale games. 
and like a lot, a lot of battle royale games have been so focused on the action, the shooting, they haven't had stealth mechanics like The Last of Us has. No, and I, and I can just imagine like because one of the most fun things about The Last of Us multiplayer was you would set a trap for somebody, um, and then you would hide, and then they would come out, set the trap off, and then you'd pop out and shoot them, and the, you know it was, uh, damage was. Uh, it was really easy to take damage. It was it was hard to cause damage, and you could even like melee people and suddenly jump out of somewhere with a with a bat and just beat the shit out of them. Um, and it was often about not having the resources. You know, you didn't have a gun, you didn't have this, you didn't have that. You had to get close with a pair of scissors and stab them up. And it was uh, it was tense and it was it was slow and sort of um, impactful. But I think if you sort of put that into a a battle royale game, you may well have a much more in keeping with the original idea of like battle royale, like the movie. Um, in general, whereby it is gritty and it's harrowing and you really have to grind and fight to be the final survivor. Um, and yeah, there's those ways they could put a twist on it and they could obviously make it, um, uh, they could make it work. But I guess we'll have to wait until 2023 to find out, Jamie. Mm, all kinds of things happening next year. Very exciting. Also cool just to see like Naughty Dog again, incredibly talented studio. Um, a crazy two years have already passed since their last major release. So, the idea that more and more of that team is getting freed up to working on new stuff. And Neil Druckmann confirmed, talking to Jeff today, that he himself is working on a new project. Um, very excited to see what that all ends up being. Um, uh, yeah, obviously, patience is a virtue at times like this. Um, but yeah, that's, it's always nice to just get auditory confirmation. It is. No, it absolutely is. Um, as well, at this point, I suppose it's, it's a good um, time to mention that next year uh, we've found out that Summer Games Fest is going to be um, in person. So it's not just going to be digital. True. Um, which should be very exciting because E3 is also bringing is also coming back uh, in person as well. The ESA have, have sort of uh, reiterated and have said, no, it will return next year. Yeah. It's going to be digital. Digital. Like, ultimately, at the end of the day, as fans and as people who get to watch showcases and press conferences and live streams, hopefully this just means there's more happening, there's more attention, there's more eyeballs. It's a better marketing and promotional opportunity, a better window for uh, companies to release or promote games or, you know, to uh, to release trailers or promote games. And that means there's more for us to see and there's more for us to chat about and there's people who get to make a podcast about all this nonsense. This is great. But the, the interesting, like, underlying element to all of this is that e3 are back um you know physical presence and digital presence in their absence keely has just gone on to try and claim you know claim more and more of that territory for himself even getting like sony to play ball with him when sony that one of the last things they did before e3 disappeared was to remove themselves from it almost entirely right is there going to be a continuation of that collaborative environment we talked about earlier where everyone just wants to promote games and release trailers and market their products? Or will there be a slightly combative, competitive nature where are the ESA going to, or is either either side going to get the checkbook out or, or like make things more palatable for certain companies to say, Hey, like don't go to E3, come to summer games fest for whatever reason. And like, likewise, if they both, have in-person events that means that if that unless they choose different weeks in which case everything's fine but if they're both at the same time then like there might be two separate venues in different sides of los angeles that are both trying to compete for visitors it's like it's a really weird prospect 
it is weird. It almost gets back to what we were saying earlier on that game summer game fest has made it all feel much more collaborative. Whereas next year we could see the complete opposite and it becomes much more combative again because yeah. you know you started to have people fight about where they're going to be and who they're going to be with and where the reveals are going to come. So it's um, definitely one to look out for and to, to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, but like uh, uh, either way, like no complaints because we we can tell from this this year the fact that we do still as frequently as we do refer, refer to it as E3 or make the the key three joke um like clearly it's synonymous with this time of year and clearly there is a ma- massive appetite every time June rolls around for these nice structured events where lots of you know announcements and reveals all get you know, tied up into these nice little packages and then distributed and delivered, hopefully without too big a gaps in between them. And personally, with all due respect to Jeff and everything that he's achieved and all the territory he's claimed for himself over the years, and with all due disrespect to the ESA and some of the weird shit that's come out of there in recent years, like at the end of the day, I just, I like getting excited about games and whoever and whatever gives me the opportunity to do that is what I'm there for. I like, I like, do you know what, Jonesy? I like sitting at my desk in a Discord call with you, watching a live stream, saying, what's going to come next? I don't know that logo. What are they making? Oh, my God. They're making, the, like, I live for those moments. They give me so much joy. So whoever wants to bring them, bring them. Yeah, no, agreed. Absolutely agreed. Well, we've got about five minutes left until we get to the two-hour mark, and we need to run the 60% eyelid closing test. Um, but mm. let's see if we can let's see if we can rattle through a couple of news um other news topics uh, I, before it, if you if you'd like i can kind of like take two off our list just by sort of picking backing off the summer game fest discussion because there are a couple of things that kind of tie into news stories that i was wondering if we might see more of today um, yes do it let's do it one of them i'm just going to bring up quickly because it was it was an absolute long shot and if you'd asked me to put money on whether or not it would be at the summer game fest i'd have said absolutely will not but the other, I was just going to draw attention to the fact, especially poignant given some of our recent conversations, that we have now had a state of play that has passed and a clearly, you know, PlayStation endorsed and PlayStation, a, 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 an event that PlayStation have cooperated with in the form of Summer Game Fest. And we have not heard anything about God of War Ragnarok or its potentially impending release date. Um, the new side of this is that. Um, in the absence of any firm news, there's been a bunch of different chatter about what's going on. A website called Game Reactor posted a report saying that a tw- the 2023 release date or a slip into 2023 has been confirmed by, quote, various European sources. Jason Schreier took to the internet to said that he's spoken to people who would know firsthand and people who would know secondhand, and he has confirmed that nothing has happened yet, which suggests that, like, while well, he doesn't want to put money on it, he believes the Game Reactor article to be false because he knows he has spoken to the kind of people who would be their sources, and they have said that is not the case but we still don't know for sure. I've got to be honest, Jonesy. Yeah, sorry. Go, go on. No, go on. I was going to say, like, I really thought that we would, I really th- felt we needed to see that release date soon for like September, October, even November to be possible. And I'm, I'm worried. I, I've, I've been saying it for weeks. I think you have very good cause to be worried. Cause I don't, I think it's been, I think it's going to come out in, um, in 2023 at the very at the earliest i don't think it's going to make it 2022 at all but just purely because everything we've seen up to date is so unfinished in that's my not, eyes in my, my eyes yeah, i know i know 
And You're so wrong, though. I'm okay, and I think I think we would had to have seen more earlier, let alone by now. And the fact that we still haven't seen anything, and the last thing we had was uh, Corey Barlog saying hey, it's not ready for you to see it yet. When it's ready, it's ready. And I'm like, wow, if you're not ready to show a trailer, like if you're not ready to put out a gameplay trailer, if you're not ready to show 10 minutes of gameplay um, at Summer Game Fest or whatever, then then I don't see how it jumps on the PR cycle in order for it to be out, you know, yeah, like September, October, November. So then you start saying, okay, so it could come out possibly early December. And I'm just like, you know what I mean? And it's, it gets to a weird one because I mean, Jason, yeah. Schre- Jason Schreier for now for weeks has been saying the same thing. He's been pushed multiple occasions to say whether or not it's coming out this year. And he's double, he's he's not only doubled down, he's tripled down on numerous occasions saying, no, look, my sources say it is coming out this year, it is coming out this year. He runs a little bit of a risk, I think, because he's got himself quite tangled up with this narrative that it is coming out this year. Every like he's He's even come out and said, and me as a journalist with my sources, I can pretty much say that, hey, it is coming out this year. And he's then has, has given himself a little bit of an out by saying, hey, never say never in the games industry, but people are just going to remember that the next time he comes out and says, hey, look, my first hand sources have said it is coming out this year. If it gets delayed, I think he'll lose some of his credibility. It, like, he he, prob- he probably future. will, but I don't think he should. Um, I think that's just the kind of the, the nature of the people who follow games in the games industry and the way they want, they don't just want instant gratification. They want instant news and they want that news to be instantly reliable. And I don't think, and you could argue that this is the responsibility that someone like a Jason Schreier bears by putting himself out there and making these announcements, but the games industry doesn't work that way. And like when Jason Schreier, when I, what I read, when I hear Jason Schreier saying, hey, I've got a firsthand, someone who would know first, his exact words were, someone who would know firsthand and someone who would know secondhand. That to me means I literally know someone like within Sony Santa Monica or who is working on this game or is in the marketing department or someone who works for PlayStation. And then secondhand is like, I know someone who knows someone who blah, 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 blah. And, yeah. and, I, and I can get to them. The, the the idea that both of those people are saying, hey, at the moment it's still coming out this year, and in uh, July, August, like Sony Santa Monica delay it, totally plausible, if not likely. And the the frustrating thing is what people need to realize is that doesn't make Jason Trier wrong. It, he reported on what he reported was accurate. I went to my source. It was it's 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 due for release in twenty twenty two. When it gets delayed, he's going to report that it gets del- gets delayed. But like. I don't know what someone like Jason tries meant to do. Say, oh, I know whether I know when it's coming out, but I'm not going to say because it's going to because it might change. Like he I, has to I, report. No, but that's the I see, that's the thing. I don't think he does. I think what he needs to do in this situation is just shut up. Like if he just said, I don't know, I've not heard. But he has heard. No, but from if, a first hand source. But he sought out that source to ask them. Yes, because it's, it's what people want to know and it's his journalistic responsibility to answer those yes. questions. Yes, but why has he done it? He's done it because someone because he's heard murmurings that it's been delayed. There's been a slip into 2023. And what he's done is to try and say, well, I know, I've got sources there, so if that person's... I need to be on the bandwagon as well. I need to know as well, and I'm going to contact my source. His source has said, no, I've not heard anything. But imagine if you worked at Sony Santa Monica and... And Barlog's losing his mind because he's so annoyed that something's messing up and is delaying the process. It's quite obvious to some people that it's going to get delayed internally, but it's also quite obvious to some people that that's something you don't say. 
because as far as they're concerned, like for example, it could be that they're like, no, we will get it out this year. But some people are like, there's no bloody way it's getting out this year. It, but but you, it depends. It depends on your first-hand sources and like where they does, are. It does. It does. It does absolutely depend on that. Like, and again, like, just, sorry. But we have no idea. Like, we don't have no idea who no. the source is. I just think it's a little bit dangerous for someone like him to have repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly keep saying, it's coming out this year, it's coming out this year, it's coming out this year. But he doesn't say that. He says that, I like, he reports... No, I'll read the quote. Do you want the quote? No, no, I'm talking about his earlier quote. He did a quote last week, I think, or the week before, which was, he basically said, it's coming out in 2022. Everything I've heard says it's coming out 2022. Yes, exactly. And then someone said... That's a fact. Do you know for Everything definite... And do you know for definite? And then he said, well, you can never be definite. And yes, like, exactly. Oh, so now that, you're covering that, no, your own back. That, no, that is not covering his own back. That is just, that, those are, that is pure fact. That is pure no, that, fact. Okay. Fair enough. And like, fair again, enough, that's true. You look at, listen to the quote from for this one again, because Game Reactor is saying it slipped. He said, it's hard to definitely prove a negative, but someone who would know firsthand just told me they haven't heard anything about a slip to 2023 and someone who else who might know second and someone else who might know secondhand. Like if you read that, and it slips, and you think Jason Schreier is like a a bad journalist, or b a bad reporter, or c shouldn't have said what he said. That I think like you, you, like what do you? What I don't know what you expect from a journalist. Period. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's a bad journalist. I just think in this instance, I think he's seen every time I hear about Call of, uh, Call of Duty. Every time I hear about um, uh, God of War, I immediately hear about Jason Schreier afterwards. It's. It just seems like I'm not quite sure why he is being. He's because he, he's clearly got a source that other people don't have. Exactly. And he's no, willing to report it. Exactly. I think that it's just a bit dangerous. You were saying you don't think that he should lose any credibility if no, it does get delayed. 100% no. I, I'm saying... Because he has never if, reported anything but the fact of the matter. But if I, what I'm saying is, if in this... No, I'm not... Maybe cred, Credibility maybe is the wrong word, but maybe the next time he comes out and says, my first-hand source has said this game isn't getting delayed about another game... Everyone should take what he said with a pinch of salt. I, I don't think you need to wait till that next time. I think you do it now. He's telling us to take a pinch of salt every single time. But I'm so what I'm saying is the next... So let's say, for example, God of War Ragnarok is delayed to 2023. And let's say August, they come out and they announce a delay. Um, the next time, next year, when Jason Schreier is talking about a completely different game... Um, and he says, I, my first-hand source I will, said, I, will. You, I, can't, and I can't prove a negative. My first-hand source says that it's not getting delayed. And a second-hand source also says, I think you take that with a pinch of salt. I, well. No, John, I don't need so. I will take it to mean exactly, word for word, syllable for syllable, what he said. His first-hand source says it hasn't been delayed yet. His second-hand source says that as well, but it still might be. It means the exact same thing in that situation as it does now. It's not a question of credibility. It's not a question of track record. Factually, they both mean the exact same thing. You're just, for some reason, in this example, you feel more liable to believe him, and you feel like that he's leaving the back door open in case he's wrong. He's not leaving the back door open in case he's wrong. He's leaving the back door open in case something happens that hasn't happened yet. Uh, oh, right, see, but I... I from everything we've seen about God of War Ragnarok, I do think it's happened already. Whatever the thing is, I well, don't. I think it you, has happened. The, the, then, then, then you disagree with a Bloomberg's journalist source within Sony Santa Monica. There you go. Alex Alex Jones of the Super Show podcast disagrees no, with Jason that Schreier's first hand source. You heard it here first, that. folks. That doesn't mean that. It means yeah, it that first hand. It doesn't mean that. It means the first hand source that he might be quoting may might not be giving him the information that he wants. 
for one. Or it could mean that the first-hand source he's that talking about... That is such about, a wild leap in speculation that like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. You're now speculating that Jason Schreier's source that has information on God of War Ragnarok might intentionally be feeding him misinformation. No, no, but they might just—they might not feel comfortable. Because what, what point are you even making weird, anymore? There's a weird because this the problem with like the journalist angle from this is you hear someone like Jason Schreier say, "I have a first-hand source," and they've said this, and you take it as like for you that's gospel. No, because you, yes, it, yes, it is. No, yes, it okay, is. Because it is. You've already said. You've already is. said. You've already said that. Don't misappropriate. There, You've already said that. That means at the moment it is coming out this year yes, and there's nothing yes. wrong with the development. That, you're then saying... Means, no, 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 no. You're See, then now, saying now you're putting if words by August mouth. it is now, delayed, now, now that means putting... it was perfectly fine now, but in August no, something goes wrong. What, you're putting words in your mouth because where did something, what, like, something right or wrong with development come into this at all? Uh, the issue that's causing the delay, like we were just saying. Like I said, I you, think it's already can, happened. That's, that's completely said, fabricated. There's no I'm, reference here to issues or, or issues like good development, bad development. Anything like along those lines has been completely like materialised by you in the last whatever. Whatever the thing that would cause the delay then doesn't have to be bad development. It could be uh, whatever it is. Whatever the issue they're having with um, a technical uh, hiccup or whatever. I'd have no goddamn idea. But for whatever reason. You're saying whatever it has happened that would cause the delay to 2023. You're saying that doesn't exist yet. No, I, I, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm saying it doesn't exist in such a way where the, the inform that it is uh, occurred to this first party source to relay it to Jason Schreier, and there therefore cannot be a part of his reporting that he's entirely entitled to do. Fair enough. I, I just I think that maybe he's. Uh... I think he will lose some of his credibility, and I don't. And you said you'd think that that would be unfair of someone to that. I think. Yeah, I know. I think I, honestly, I think if you if you if you think less of a journalist's word because not they, less of like, him, not less of not less of his okay, word. That's if you not, think that's if you think okay, if you think his word is less credible, then you're an idiot because he was factually correct entirely throughout. What? Because so, he, no, at no point did he get in. At no point did he get anything wrong. He was reporting on something that hasn't happened yet. So anything Jason Schreier says is correct, even if it's wrong, because at the time when he said it, you didn't know if it was true. Therefore, he can say that he was right at the time. So that was, he can say whatever he wants, as long as you can't prove that at the time he said it, that he knew he was wrong. No, because it, it comes down to the way he words it, which is, again, I'll read the, I'll read the quote. Um, uh, the first part is really important because when the, you said someone, the first part, some, you someone can't who prove a negative. someone who would know firsthand just told me they haven't heard anything about a slip to 2023. It is up on the reader, or in this case, the listener of that sentence to to, 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 to divulge the information that they want from it. And if you leap to that being 2022 confirmed, 2023 delay not going to happen. If 2023 delay happens, Jason Schreier's credibility goes down. That is on you. Because again, he said, someone who would know firsthand just told me they haven't heard anything about a slip. If you think so he, credibility has gone down, it is because you have taken far too matter. You have taken it as a, in, in, interpreted it in far too matter of fact a way. Jason Schreier's reported that his first hand source hasn't heard about a slip. If a slip happened, Jason Schreier's credibility does not go down. But what's happened? What? It, but in a way, he is attacking the credibility of the source that have said there has been a slip to 2023 directly. He's saying. If there was a slip, my first-hand source would know about it. They've said there is no slip, therefore he's saying there is no slip. He has cast out. So yeah, he's cast out so, on another. So report, he is yeah. saying the other journalist who said it has slipped to 2023 is either lying or they're wrong for whatever reason because he said it, this person yes. would know. All, They've all, said no. Whether or not this matters, I don't know. He hasn't done it in official capacity. This was a a, a, a forum thread he just commented on. 
he hasn't written about it or reported. I, no, on that it. I, to me that makes no difference. Is his work? He's not like he. It's not like he's just, representing just, a journal. I'm just, I'm just saying he hasn't decided to write a Bloomberg article saying Game Reactor are wrong and here's why. Just making that I, clear. I, I don't think that matters. Personally, I don't think that matters. So then what I'm saying is he's if now the game is it is delayed to 2023, it would be a very strange position whereby he can say Game Reactor were wrong, I was right, even though they were right in the substance because at the time when I reported it or the time when but, I said it, um, my source was right. But, but, and but, they ju- and they, he's basically saying they got lucky and I was right. No, because he said he was, it's definitely yeah. hard to prove a negative. That, But that it's impossible to prove a negative. Well, yeah. But that's so, one but, of the things that, you but, say but, when but, someone says, you're basically saying someone is wrong, is you say it's impossible to prove a negative. Yeah, he, but that, that, that's, again, it like... It, it's so he's saying, doubled down. He's he's attacking their credibility twice. He's saying they're wrong, but I can't prove they're wrong because they're wrong, and you can't prove a negative. And my person who would know says it's not happening. I I, th- I, 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 th- I think that you it's these weirdly like hyper literal interpretations of these like these statements that like, I, you're, I, you're, 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 it's think, becoming too black and white. No, like, I, I think when he when it gets pushed to 2023, I think his credibility will take a little bit of a, of a hit. Not his credit, not in, in general. I'm not saying like people should never believe Jason Schreier's reporting anymore. I think he's very important in the industry, and I think he does a lot of good work. But it will take a bit of a hit, and I think it probably should. I d- yeah, I disagree. Completely I disagree. I know. Um, wow, we talked about that a lot longer than I intended. But, yeah. Uh, do you know what else is going to take longer than intended? I just want to get this off my chest. What? Waiting to see Hideo Kojima's next game. Because uh, I'll be honest, Jonesy, like I wasn't going to spoil this for you like before we went live or while I'm we were so, live. I'm glad you didn't, because if it had been announced, I would have been annoyed if you just spoiled it. Yes, um, I genuinely thought we were seeing Hideo Kojima's uh, next game today. Or at least something from Hideo Kojima, because basically for anyone that missed it, um, the internet kind of had a mini blow-up midweek this past week, as it appeared as though Hideo Kojima's latest project, or our project to Hideo Kojima, at least, in some form or fashion, was leaking. Uh, reliable insider Tom Henderson uh, claimed that he had received early footage from the game, um, which apparently stars Margaret Qualley, Qualley, who was Mama in Death Stranding. Uh, it seems uh. to be some kind of like a third-person horror title, um, they described the, like seeing a woman like walk through a corridor and there are like ghostly apparitions and there are jump scares and at the end there's a big game over screen and it says um, the name of the game which is a supposedly overdose um, and uh, and it says PT game too. over on screen. Well, you know there are a lot of PT connections and there are a lot of like Silent Hill connections. There's this weird thing where um, so uh, once this all started leaking, a logo for the game supposedly leaked. Again, take all this with a big pinch of salt. That logo included the symbol of like an upside down triangle with three circles inside it, which people have pointed out is like the same as the save logo from the Silent Hill series. So it was like his Kojima. Oh, like, God. So basically a lot of this stuff oh, is starting God. up. And um, there was basically a very strange kind of uh, element to this where and, and and this is where you get into like super dumb, like weird. Um, do you reckon this is damage stuff. control? I don't know. At this stage, I do not know what it is. I, what's, what might be interesting? Maybe this is they did this on purpose because of the leak from Norman Reedus about Death Stranding two, and so they've effectively mocked something up that they can that can be leaked as well. That kind of makes the people say, "Oh, it's not Death Stranding two; it's Overdose," so that Kojima can get his hand back on the tiller when it comes to 
you know, announcements, yeah. releases, etc. Maybe, do you think, or is that far too far-fetched? I think it's a little bit far-fetched. I think sometimes there are, like, fantasies and hypotheticals that people like to apply to Kojima that extend far beyond what he actually has a track record for doing. He <laughs> likes a little bit of trickery and bullshittery, and I think that... It, but this is still strange. I don't know how this fits into the bigger situation, because, yeah, like, is Norman Reedus actually doing Death Stranding 2, or did he misspeak? Is, are they doing Death Stranding 2 because Kojima's moving on and this overdose thing is like nearly done? Is this overdose thing the Xbox project that Jeff Grubb has been talking about for ages? Um, like, is this anything to do with Silent Night? Like, there are so many questions. One of the things that compounds the issue, I will just say, again, more weirdness from the world of insiders and rumor mongers um, on Twitter, a new Twitter profile uh, reared its head uh, uh just uh, ju- uh, well, in fact, just over a week ago at this stage, but no one noticed him at first. It was an account made in May, um, and the the screen name for the account is the Snitch. Um, they uh, they uh, <laughs> they follow six people on Twitter. Uh, they include Nibble, uh, Shinobi six hundred two, Tom Henderson, Daniel Ahmad, Jeff Grubb, and Hassan Kar- Hassan Karaman. No, their banner. Do they, Caraman? they do. That's amazing. Their, their banner on Twitter is the abandoned real-time experience only for PS5 uh, image. Okay, at the moment they sound like a joke. They've got fifteen thousand followers, and they have only tweeted three times. Do you want to know what those tweets are? Yes. On the second of June, which um, uh, were and uh, it was about twelve hours before the state of play aired. They uh, uh, tweeted out an image uh, alongside the tweet, hashtag state of play at Nibelian. Um, the, the image was an exact list uh, with his name inside the image and his uh, handle on Twitter and a list of all the games that would appear in the state of play. And he got everything um, uh, basically 100% right. Um, he got, you know, he said Final Fantasy 16, summer 2023. Uh, Tunic, he got the date right. Street Fighter Six, Roller Drone, date right. Eternite's date right. Callisto Protocol, date right. Stray, date right. Marvel Spider Man remastered coming to PC. He didn't get any misses. There were nothing on there that didn't show up. Blah 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 blah. This also isn't the one of those things that we had um, for a few months ago, where there was a fake leaker who tweeted out a bunch of the names of a bunch of different games, deleted the ones that were wrong after this uh, Nintendo Direct oh. happened. So this is all in one image, Clever. and it was tweeted out before the state of play has been altered. Then, four days later, on the 6th of June, this is before the logo uh, uh, leaked, he tweeted out the word overdose with an emoji of an upside-down triangle. That's before um, the um, um, uh, the the logo leaked. And then, this is the uh, the additional weird one that started all the, the, the speculation. Two days ago, Jonesy, he tweeted out part one, 02-09-2022, then a gamepad, gamepad slash a PC. What got announced tonight? The Last of Us Part 1 releasing on the 2nd of September for PlayStation 5 with a PC version confirmed to be in development. So the snitch has tweeted three times. He correctly predicted um, The Last of Us Part 1's reveal and release date, an entire state of play before it happened. The only missing link is the word overdose, which corresponds to a report by Tom Henderson who claims to have seen footage and doesn't seem like he'd risk his reputation for no reason, and a logo that leaked that also matches an emoji put by the snitch. (laughs) But we didn't see anything today. How fucking crazy is that? That's so good. And also, why does he follow Hassan and have the abandoned image as his banner? Like, I'm sure it's a joke, 
but it's also very annoying. Uh, it's great. <laughs> it's what great. a fucking mess. And like, there's something about like, uh, like I said, I genuinely believe what I said, where like, I think a lot of the Kojima stuff is smoke and mirrors and people make more nonsense about him and make up more rumors and like misinformation about him than actually exists. I think he's weirdly straight and narrow. Like he did, like he's done some bullshit in the past, like Moby Dick studios and the metal gear solid to bait and switch. But like generally speaking, speaking a lot more of it is put on him than he generates himself. And the fact that this is an extension of that. And now there's this mysterious Hideo Kojima project that has a trailer in the wild that game that journalists have seen and the snitch knows about and that it didn't show up today at the Keeleys. Like, poor. But that's, well, that's, but to be it's fair my to kind him, of bullshit, Jonesy. It's my kind of bullshit. To be fair to him, he didn't say it would be today. No, the, the game summer game fest. So the snit with the overdose and the, the thing, so it could be revealed, the, like yeah, you said, at the Xbox showcase. The snitch has not um, revealed anything with regards to. Um, um, well, there, there was one thing that implied it. Um, Jeff Keighley tweeted out: "There's nothing like see- the feeling of seeing a good world premiere arrive in your inbox." And the snitch re- replied to him: "This is this is technically his like fourth tweet if you count it." Um, he says, "It's a game over." Um, and the words uh, the ga- game and game the game words game and over are capitalized, um, which matches up with Tom Henderson's report that the trailer ends with the character dying and the words game over appearing on screen, followed by the logo for overdose. So again, there's more corroboration there between Tom Henderson and the snitch. Um, <laughs> I feel so weird just calling someone the snitch. Um, yeah. That it's also cool, also yeah. worth noticing that noting that when he originally tweeted out the state of play and tagged Nebelian, uh, no one noticed. Like like he he tweets out the entire state of play and no one realized until after the fact, and then someone discovered it and was like, "What the fuck? Who is this guy?" That it must be so tempting if you're an insider and you and you have a load of info. It must be tempting for clout to know that you can go onto Twitter and get loads of followers. And, you, I mean, and no one's going to know it's you. Yeah, he's a, he's a completely anonymous account who's averaging 5,000 followers a tweet. Like, yeah. in, in in video game rumours. Um, uh, it must be so tempting. Well, do you know what's funny? It's probably, uh, it's probably like the husband or wife of someone who's really high up who knows loads of stuff. And they're like... Oh, I never get any likes online, and they're like, Do "You know what? Let me try yeah. this." And suddenly they're going to be like, <laughs> "It could, it, it could also totally be like, like you, could, you could tell me this was like Tom Henderson creating an alt, like fake Twitter account to tweet oh. stuff that he knows about, but journalistically can't report on. But if he knows if an insider tweets about it anonymously, then he can report on the tweet. Like if he told me this was one of those schemes, I totally believe you. Oh, but that's we'll so interesting." That's um, dodgy, but anything, but yeah, really. Yeah, you can't report on the news, but you can report about someone tweeting about the news. Like, but yeah, um, it, it's very strange. Um, I also haven't seen, for whatever reason, I haven't seen any of the big dogs um, go out of their way to corroborate it. I've heard people like Jeff Grubb and um, uh, I forget, the, there's a guy who, um, a- a- Andy something from VGC, I've heard them both like reference it as the Kojima news but I haven't seen anyone like go out of their way to find a source on this, corroborate it, find out right. where and when it might turn up. Schreier as well, like I can't, I'm not sure. Schreier follows the snitch. He started following him really early on, um, but uh, but uh, I haven't seen. Um, oh, so here's a question. If the snitch uh, tweeted that God of War Ragnarok had been delayed till 2023, 
I would be heavily inclined to believe it. Honestly, at this e- rate. Even, even if Jason Schreier said that he had a first-hand source who, didn't, who said it's not happening. Yes. I, like, oh. it would, it would, well, like, because, like, Schreier is, like, a very careful journalist, and what Schreier will do is what we've talked about before. He will have sources, he will have ways that he's vetted those sources, and every time there's a piece of information, he will go and get a report from the X, person X, and get a report from person Y, and if possible, per, person Z. And, yeah, if they all match up, then he has reason to believe that something is happening, and if he has reason enough to believe that something is happening, then he can write about it. Um, it must be infuriating to be uh, like a mainstream kind of journalist and to not be able to talk about leaks and things until yeah. you get some sort of confirmation. And then you see people on Twitter who have no whatever, but for some reason they found something and then they're eating your lunch because <laughs> yeah. they can just put whatever they want. You you kind of have to be careful. Um, and it, yeah, it must be weird, like having to adhere to it. And I, lo- I know people love to rip into games journalists and call them this, that and the other and especially Jason Schreier, they have weird reps nowadays, but like a lot of them are honest-to-goodness journalists. They study journalism. They obey by the practices. They do what they're yeah. supposed to. Um, like, it, yeah, and we've commented in the past that it is so funny that like that there are influencers and content creators out there who take brand deals and can be bought out or paid off left, right, and center that have better reputations and are more trusted than legitimate journalists because just because the game, the term games journalist became a sullied term at some point in the last few years because, you know, a few too many snowflakes or fucking weirdos made shitty articles for Kotaku and, like, ruined games journalist reputations across the internet. And don't get me wrong, a lot of those Kotaku articles from the last couple of years have been absolutely atrocious, like, disastrously, like, bad. And... We probably put the we probably threw the uh, the net too wide, including with what who are classed as journalists underneath the net. Yeah, exactly. So that's part part of the problem. Like some fucking mental feminist wants to write some mad shit on Kotaku, like that. That's it's not the same kettle as fish as some of these other dudes who, uh, like, and not yeah, like it's it's a messy subject, and I, I probably have already said something stupid, and I'm gonna get a <laughs> randy comment down below, but yeah. Well, um, quickly, before we finish up, I'll let me really quickly hit you with a bit, little bit of news close to my heart because um, of course. we were a little bit worried earlier in the week because um, some pre-orders were delisted and even refunded um, for the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake, which was supposed to uh, originally be coming out in 2021, then got bumped to 2022. It has now been indefinitely um, delayed um, and is uh, Ubisoft have actually said it is no longer targeting um, a uh, financial year 2023 release for Prince of Persia uh, Sandstone remake. That doesn't necessarily mean it won't come out in 2023. It just means that they don't know necessarily when, and it's not going to be coming out. I guess, I think it's before March of um, 2023. This is following um, a pretty rocky development. Um, it was a ground up remake, in case you didn't know. Uh, it was originally being handled by Ubisoft, um, uh, Mumbai and Unisoft, Prune, I think they're called. Uh, uh, Pune. Uh, Pune. Is it P-U-N-E? Sorry, Pune. Um, that w- who have done a lot more sort of mobile game stuff and have done uh, Prince of Persia mobile games in the past, but it has now been taken away from them and has been given to Ubisoft Montreal. Um, it's gone back home, if you like, as we've covered before and we've been talked about. But it has not been cancelled. It's not been um, got rid of completely, as there was sort of speculation earlier in the week, but it has been indefinitely delayed. Um so my little face is sad. My, mine's sad too, but for different reasons. <laughs> okay. Mine's sad that it wasn't actually cancelled outright because that would have been the <laughs> smart thing to do here. 
That would have that would have been horrendous. I don't, they need to. It needs to be good. The first one because I want the entire trilogy to be remade. That's what I love about this the most is you have a lot of passion for that era of Prince of Persia and like seeing more of projects like this come to light. But that actually, like a lot of your nostalgia doesn't actually lie within the Sands of Time. It's like Warrior Within and the Two Thrones. Yeah, Sands of Time was good, but it was no. It was it wasn't anything on the other two. He wasn't enough of an emo yet. Was nowhere near enough of an emo. He was he, all happy still. He needed <laughs> and, uh, at least four more layers of eyeshadow before he peaked. <laughs> he did. He needed Godsmack to really ram it home. <laughs> Hell yeah. There you go. <laughs> but what, what, what do you think even happens with this? Like, uh, at this I, point- I think so. That for me, like, I think I think this is pretty straightforward. I'm gonna I'm gonna completely now bullshit and make up a load of bollocks. What happened was just just cite gave- your sources. Someone, um, what was the what was the wording? Someone who would know firsthand, someone who might know secondhand. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it seems pretty obvious that what happened was they Ubisoft thought that they could turn a quick buck by remaking uh, a beloved franchise, the first one, and it'll be, the, and, you know, Cap, um, uh, Square Enix have done it with um, Resident Evil, etc., and it's, it's, it's worked quite well. Um, so they were like, hey, let's go back and remake some of these older games. We'll give it off to a cheaper uh, development studio that have done some good work for us in the past in the shape of Ubisoft Pune in Mumbai, um, who, have, who are, I think, more um, aligned with sort of quality control and things in general. But they do have a development team in-house, mm. but not that's not the main thrust of like what they do. Um, but because they've done some good work with the mobile games and some um, up, uh, remakes, for mobile, they thought, oh, they can handle this this remake for this game, completely ignoring the fact that you effectively need to build a completely brand new AAA game for, for consoles, which is insane to give it to someone who's so untested. They've then looked at the stuff that's, or they've then given them more time and more time to fix it and make better and to maybe hire the right people. They've then realised this is unsalvageable. They've taken it back to Ubisoft Montreal and they've started the entire process again. And I think mm. the people in Montreal have said, there is no point even trying to start um, on what they've made. That maybe they've helped in what the maybe some things they've done wrong have helped, and they've said we know not what to not do because this sort of stuff didn't work. But we need to start the entire process again, back to the drawing board. Let's start again, start afresh, make something we're really going to be proud of. Because that trailer they put out was dog shit. Let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. So no, you're right. There you go. And like again. Like you mentioned, the Resident Evil remakes, and there are tons of other examples too. And although it's a far more recent game, uh, the Last of Us remake could end up being another example of it. Like, if you just like do right by these games and build them from the ground up on modern tech, like it can do wonderful things to how these games look and how these games play. And yeah, it would be a shame um, if that was not the treatment that a series like Prince of Persia got. And so I hope that. In in some respects, I as as, de- as depressing as the story is, I kind of hope you're right, and I hope that means that I don't even know Q one twenty twenty four. We're talking about a nice Maybe, yeah. new polished Prince of Persia. Although I will say up front, and I've got to warn you this ahead of time: if that doesn't happen, and if you're wrong, your credibility will go down drastically. <laughs> Do you know what? But see, but that won't happen because I have no credibility, so it can't go down. <laughs> I'm at none. You're less you than, have- less than zero. Yeah, what does negative credibility mean? I don't know. It's like it's a reverse psychology thing. So the more negative you go, it's like if you say something's not going to happen, it means it more likely that it will happen. <laughs> so oh, so the so the opposite of what I say is taken to be true. Yeah, exactly. And the, no, and but the that's first, just lack the lower, of credibility. The again. lower your credibility gets, the more true the opposite of what you're saying becomes. Oh no, yeah, no, I think you're right there. So 
if I say something, not only is it unlikely to be true, it actually makes the likelihood of it happening less. Yes, exactly. Wow. And, and each time that wow. happens, technically you're wrong. So your credibility goes further. And so the, <laughs> the relationship becomes more inversely proportional. Um, Until everything you say means that the opposite will happen. Yes, exactly. And so, so people are s- begging you saying, please say God of War is going to get delayed, please. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I see, do you know what, one thing I will say out the back, off the back of this, I hope that um, Ubisoft, Pune and Mumbai um, don't take it too much to heart. I think they're, uh, they've obviously done a lot of good work and it seems like they were just given too big a task, more than they could handle. Um, yes. Yeah. And I don't think people should sort of, I don't think it's their fault. I don't think, it's, it, at some point, someone has uh, high up in Ubisoft, maybe even Eve, thought, hey, we can do this on the cheap. And yeah. they shouldn't have tried to do that. Do you remember that exactly when that happened uh, last year, where Rockstar threw the job of making the GTA Definitive Editions to Grove Street Games, who previously right. just made mobile ports, and they were like, yes. "Take the mobile ports and make them for like the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X." Like these developments are complicated. I think sometimes it's easier to see them as theoretically being cheaper and easier than they potentially are, and I can see why there were studios who made mistakes in their you know, their estimations for how long things will take, how much it will cost and how hard it will be. And these studios have probably suffered. And yeah, you're right. Like, don't you can't compound the issue by like slagging off an entire studio of probably very talented people. Ironically as well, you because almost there's a sense of thinking like, oh, they're, they're not that talented enough to do this. But you probably find that if you gave Ubisoft Montreal the task of making a um, an Android or an iOS port of an old game, you right, probably exactly. find that they wouldn't be able to do that because that's not in their skill set. Um, yeah, just because they're the more expensive development team doesn't mean necessarily they're going to be best for every, you know, every t- every time you need them to do something. But anyway, with that insanely long podcast, right off the back of doing a very long recording for um, Summer Game Fest, uh, all that's left for me to say is thank you so much, Jamie, for joining me for both of those things. Um, as I said earlier in the show, uh, you can check out our Patreon. Uh, the five dollar tier will have access to the uh, watch along that Jamie and I did just before we recorded this. Yeah. Um, that sh- should already be live when this podcast is up. So go go over check um, it out. Um, or if you'd like, you can check out our Discord um, and you can get on there for two dollars. Um, we are patreon.com forward slash super show. Do, do you want to know something mad? You yeah. just mentioned the watch along. Uh, if you add add it all up, we have been sat opposite each other, staring each other in the eye, talking about video games for six hours. Oh my goodness! No wonder my face feels like this. Yeah, uh, my the lights are just killing me. Um, thanks so much for everybody for watching. Thank you for supporting. Thank you if you just leave a comment or you could subscribe or do any of those amazing things. It keeps us going. It keeps us coming back. Thank you to our patrons. You are incredible. Um, you are part of the. I was going to say ATG, not ATG <coughs> Super Show family. Thank you for keeping our dream alive. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.